good. So? So? So what? Wow, that's the kind of energy you're bringing. So what? What, is this, is this your, this is the seasonal affective disorder podcast? Yeah. So what? I got, I got so much, I'm bringing so much to the table. We got fists. No. And we got cards. Mm. The duels of legends. The two no. most important things, fists and cards. A tavern brawl? Uh. Not the way you think it would be. Because if you, if I say that, maybe you'd think, oh, Hearthstone is what he's playing. But no. There are good games. You don't have to subject yourself to Hearthstone. They make them. There's never, there's never been a better time to play video games than right now. It is true. Name one better time to play video games. Um, World War II. Here's the thing about, here's the thing about the current state of video games. There's so many. Almost all of the video games are out. Like all the video games that used to be out like two years ago, they're still out. And last year's ones. games and this year's games. Yeah. There have there have never been more video games available than right now. How do people get good at anything? You know what's weird is that you know we the I, I uh, friend of the show uh, Saron, um, friend of the show and past host post of uh, Christmas past Saron um, was recently was telling me about how he played tons of League this year, which I was like, well, that's weird that you never you know, asked invited uh, like Mason or I uh, to play because I feel like that would just be more enjoyable. Like if you're going to sit down and play play. it, then why not like fish for one other friend to go, but whatever. So he played tons of like ranked this year and couldn't get out of bronze or whatever. And that I, bronze or silver, I guess. Is he in silver? Silver. Um, uh, but maybe, um, but the point, well, the, the, the important, the important thing was that he played a ton of it felt like, you know, my rank doesn't reflect where I feel like I should be at, or even maybe more worrisome, is it like after this many years, after consuming this much league, because he's someone who like will, as as you might expect for like someone who plays a lot of a certain one type of video game, like he he watches the pro games, he listens to all the talking heads and like pundits, he uh, watches streamers, he uh, like, you know, watches YouTube videos of like guides and like, you know, what's going on in the meta, what's the, how do you build, like... What are people playing where and, you know, what's going to happen after this next patch? All this kind of stuff. And it's weird to, like, do all that, to have this be, like, your one game. You're, you're not, it, it's not like you're spreading yourself too, too thin. It's not like, oh, you well, you, how can you expect to be good at League and, you know, Street Fighter and uh, what's another one? Uh, Valorant, you know, all the, yeah. All, like, what let, let me tell you, you this, though. Yeah, let me tell you this, though. Uh have you ever noticed that somebody who is really good at getting leveling up ranks in one video game can usually do pretty well when they move over to another video game? Like the vow, like have, have you noticed that someone is just good at everything? Like, or yeah, people, it, and it's not a matter of that. It's, it, it just goes to show that so much of climbing like the ranked ladder doesn't actually have anything to do with your knowledge or your skill level, a lot of it is the mental and, and a lot of it, it, like so much of it is the mental actually. And, and yeah. it's not just about like having a positive outlook and a willingness to climb, but it's also about like not getting tilted, um, being able to take the measures that you need to, to win, like uh, muting and muting like your teammates, if they're being obnoxious, playing only at a certain time of day, playing only after you've eaten or done this sort of thing. Like there are people who are good at 
ranked games more broadly just because uh, they understand the necessary measures like mentally and physically to like set them up for success. I think there's that. I, and I, and I agree with you. I think that a portion of also a part of that mental and some of like what kind of connects into what you said about, you know, being successful at multiple different ranked games. And what I kind of told him as well was that uh, like one, maybe one of like the darkest points of my life video game wise, it was, it was kind of like life in general too, because I had just gotten out of college, um, was having difficulty finding work. Uh, and I just kind of, just played a ton of league all the time and despite doing pretty well uh in in like unranked games and despite similarly to to Saran um uh just every moment of like I would wake up and if I would either be playing or watching league things I couldn't really get out of silver and it was like I I was like you know hate queuing like losing going on like massive like 10 losses in a row streaks where it's like how is this even possible i'm one person in a group of five and i put in the effort like i know what i'm doing i I would focus also a lot on like oh this game we started out with someone who says they're gonna troll and like they this person you know afk'd or this person is intentionally feeding and you'd focus on those kind of things and like hatefully cue again and like sometimes not even maybe be able to see your mistakes or not think like, well, my mistakes aren't big enough to override the fact that all the AFKs are on my side. They literally basically were. But regardless of anything that I'm saying, if you, the more you do one video game, the more, and the more that like everything you consume is the one video game, the more that I feel like it's a part of your personality and to not succeed at it feels like a failure of yourself. And it's like no longer an enjoyment thing of like, you're not going home to relax with league. You're going home to grind league. And if you had other games, it would be like, well, you lost two in a row with league. May as well just like boot up Valorant or something. May as well just like play some CSGO, play some Runeterra, something like that, where it's like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't put all my stock into league. I can lose a couple games and it doesn't destroy my night. But if you're like, if that's your only thing, like it was for me for like a while, for like a year, um, then it's like, that's all you want to do is you like, just climb. And if you're not climbing, it's not working. Then it's like, what's wrong? What, like, why I do I need to watch more? Do I need to practice more? Do I need to what? This isn't about league. So, so I'm guessing that your conversation ended, uh, with no real resolution. Cause how could it, there's right? no real re- way to re- I mean, I said, I, I guess the resolution was, I told, th- I mean, this, this particular tangent we got did, off on, I told him like, like, listen, no, he didn't say like necessarily I quit league, but I was just like, you know, like I, I said everything to him that I kind of thought about and I've been in the same spot and I almost started to get there again too with Valorant. I, I tend away from ranked games in general now because it's like more healthy for me to not play ranked. I, I see the appeal and like sometimes I go back into the... Sometimes I wish that we were playing ranked. Uh, so so I so I, I understand because if you can completely as long as you can remove yourself from that and like you don't really care the the be- the benefit to ranked as like you've said before is that you should in in feasibly be playing in theory you're playing people of your similar skill level like and sometimes ranked is actually a, a better experience in some games not a lot but apex legends I've said it before the best ladder in any game it's it, it feels great to to play and to climb 
in Apex. Yeah, for the most part, I also don't find uh, ranked games... For, this is a weird thing. Like, I don't find ranked games as frustrating when it's a single person. When like, it's a fighter. When it's a fighter. Like, I actually just played, like, when... Especially when the rank system isn't as ungodly bad as Guilty Gear. But when in dra- when I played Dragon Ball Fighters, uh, all I, like, I played, like, 500 hours or something insane, like, that year, 400 hours, um, that during, like, one year of playing Dragon Ball, of, like, the year that Dragon Ball Fighters came out, what, a year or two ago? And, um, I never found rank to be frustrating. I would queue up, like, while I was drinking or something. I would queue up at night or something when I was tired. I, I would queue up for the most part, like, all the time in any state of mind. And I never really found it to be, like, that frustrating. And I always felt like I was going up in the ranks. And, like, I felt like I was, like, on the higher tier of it for a little while and was like really enjoying it and i never really found it to be frustrating for some part for some reason like playing in a team environment um if like when you lose you start to just think more about like not only not only does it feel like like what do i have to do everything it's frustrating to like if your teammates make a mistake that's affecting you in a way of like if maybe if it comes down to like a final like think about valorant like comes down to like you know it's the last game uh, of the of the, like if they win the next one if we win the next one we win if they win the next one we're like we're we're right on top of it or where we're in we're in you know overtime or something and someone it's a one v one and someone makes like a dumb mistake that like that you know they they crumple under pressure and they they get killed and you lose the game for it it's like frustrating to like in that moment to just think like oh that person affected me specifically because now I lost that game and I like I maybe I was at a rank up I'm not gonna rank up now. Um, of course, like, that's a bad way of thinking. Like, there are generally many events throughout the course of one of these games. Like, League doesn't happen in one moment, usually. Like, it happens over the course of many moments. Like, you know, you, you didn't do as good in laning as you could have. You, that jungler ganged to you. And then it led up to later on in the game, you lost a team fight because someone made a mistake. But, like, also, maybe if you look backwards, like, maybe that team fight wouldn't have happened if you were crushing it. You know what I mean? Um, I do know. But so like I understand the appeal of of ranked and I understand also how there's like if you want to get better at something uh which like being better at something or getting better is also fun. So It is fun. So like playing in a ranked environment might make everyone, you know, focus more, might make everyone like pay more attention, might do, make Do you ever want to would you ever want to Q5 in Valorant with ranked? Yeah, maybe Cause, I cause guess I like if, if it's friends like I I could I could understand a little bit more I, but I am a bit of a, like, I, I don't know what you would call me, but I'm a bit of a, like, control freak uh, when it comes to, like, those situations. And I wouldn't want to, like, bring down the mood by playing ranked. Because, like, in ranked, I I have decent mental. And when I am playing ranked, I tend to perform better playing ranked than I do not playing ranked. Um, and I know for some people it isn't like that. Um, and, and I feel like if people played ranked with me, they, they wouldn't have fun because of my desire to just win and get upset when I don't. I, I think it, it could be worth trying out. But like I, but like where I kind of fall on now is like to, I guess just over the years, maybe League also kind of built up like to put a number on a win and loss. Like if I, I can play like a bunch of losing games in a row and still kind of like take enjoyment out of out of the losing and not feel like my time was wasted but when i put a number to it and it's like you're going up or down a ladder um it starts to feel more like oh i wasted my time i shouldn't have played those fucking games because i lost three in a row and now instead of being on the top of my like next placements or my next like promotion 
I'm 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 back like I'm I'm demoted or something. So that was that was like you know it's hard. I, I feel like it, it's a little bit better for me now with that because of it's gonna sound funny. Uh, but battle passes, and I also always felt that way in uh, oh, Apex. Oh, like you're always Apex doing something. Has like these huge battle passes that like they're rewarding all the way up. Yeah. Uh, so even when I'm losing, I'm like, well, I'm getting my battle pass done. Yeah. So there's there's always like that. I, I also do feel like when I'm playing ranked, I'm uh like thinking a little bit more, and, and like I'm I'm learning more from my losses when I'm playing ranked because I'm more critical of what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean that's like that's so kind of I what I was like saying too. Is yeah. like is like you because you're getting better is fun, and maybe in an unrated environment, like you can take more of those like mistakes and just and just throw them out the window quickly. But in ranked, it's a little bit more like you know we can't let this happen multiple times. Like next game, we need to be more focused on this, or you know, like it drills into your head a little bit more when like the mistakes you're making are like affecting an overall like account progression kind of thing. Yeah, so I agree. Um, I'll that, play uh, ranked when Jess decides to reload. To, yeah when what, what do you mean like decides to reload on her own yeah she's just <laughs> never reloading <laughs> yeah fair uh she's so strange because still at this point it's a, she does the same thing where like her aim is like i don't know if it's just like a confidence thing but her sometimes her aim is like th the best she's a gohan she's the gohan of you know the, what's crazy is, the... is when she plays reina her aim changes to being very good <laughs> well like, her, well there's some of that of confidence right some of that is like yeah. the confidence or everything, but there's also been times where like it's like a Gohan thing where where like she'll be lower performance on more on average more, but then sometimes like pulls out these like insane clutches where it's like why did you just like flick tap three heads like I don't understand where that's coming from like where does that go when you're not doing that like it's it's so bizarre is it just completely a confidence thing of like. I mean, I, I, it's similar to me. Like, I, I have the same problem, especially in Valorant. Like, Valorant is probably, like, the most technical mental game I've ever played. I think, like, similar to, like, a CSGO or something. Like, because you only have a fraction of a second to react, but you have to react calmly is, like, where the mental game... Because you can never... It's not something that you can, like, you know... Uh, think about beforehand a lot of times like okay this is the way I want to do this and oh someone just popped out and I'm going to casually line up a headshot like it, it kind of like has to be done completely muscle like well like in a, in a completely like uh automatic fashion so when you when I'm playing well it just feeds into it where I feel like the enemy team is not playing well and I can I have time to like line up shots and because of it like my aiming is very clean and I'm taking better fights and better angles. Like I know what I'm doing and I, and I want to stay, stay alive to like kill more people. So I'm like, you know, got, I've got better angles and trying harder. And then when I'm just losing a lot, I notice like I'll just kind of like play further up on the map, just try and get into a fight quick, like lose that fight and be dead for the rest of the round and just keep thinking like being more and more afraid of the enemy team and more and more like I see an enemy and like, my first thought isn't like to calmly mouse to the head. It's more just like, yeah, it, it, and it's interesting to think, right. That at any point, like it, you could flip a switch and go from playing your worst to playing your best because you like, there's, there's little difference. Like there, there is, right. I guess so. I mean, the, there's an ebb and flow to it, but, but it, it does, I do see it happen like all the time. Like, and especially it Valorant, weirdly enough, as, as technical as it is sitting away from it for a little while, or like we had a, a time period where we weren't playing as much of it and coming back, I feel like I, I was a little bit better, um, that I've been a little bit 
better on average recently, a little bit more of like a one KD and usually hopefully a little bit better. So I, so like, I'm, I'm happy uh, that that worked out like that. I noticed that happening with games sometimes. Like I feel like the recent time that we went back and played league, I felt like I was better than I used to be. Like I felt like I would jump in and be a like low, high silver, low gold uh, uh, after a little while. Like I had carried some, some games with like some weird picks and, and could, uh, and I, my, my, th- my thought process was a little bit like uh, cleaner having just jumped back into league after so long, maybe it like solidified. Kind of. Yeah, maybe. It just like, yeah, committed to memory, certain things about how to play. Um, so there's a million things to talk about that aren't these things. Um, oh, this is, is this it for our ranked game section? I mean, is there anything more? I think this is a fascinating topic. If there's something else you want to bring up, then, uh, then I've by been all playing, means. Uh, so I've been playing some Guilty Gear and, you know, just to It sounds like it you're clacking on, on a controller and the way that people do in a commercial. Where it's very, where it's very loud, and I, I imagine you like staring intently and kind of moving it around, and that's crazy. Uh, I've been playing some Guilty Gear, right? Hell yeah. As we are one to do. As we do. Uh, because I was planning a climb to Celestial. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like we've probably talked about this system before. I, I, and, and I feel like I last on the last podcast talked about how it was the worst ranked system yeah, I, I have dealt you've with. alluded, you've alluded to the situation before. Uh, and, and I'll, I'll reiterate it again. So, so the way that it works is uh, Guilty Gear has 10 floors. Uh, as you win, you progress up the floors. You can up to floor 10 is the highest. And then once you've won a bunch in floor 10, uh, you enter a challenger uh, sort of queue for Celestial, which is kind of like the final the best, the best where all the are best there. players play. But in order to get into uh, Celestial, you have to win... Four out of five, five games. Four out of five. Before or, you lose two. Right? Yeah. Is it? Is it win? It's win. I think it, you have to win five. I thought it was five chances. I, I I could swear it's five chances and two losses will put you out. So you have to win four out of five. But essentially, what this means is that like, uh, there's a big like roadblock for most people at floor ten, and then you're just like sitting at floor ten. Uh, beating up on like if, if you're good enough there there is a point where you're good enough for floor 10 and you're like beating everyone in floor 10 and then you get to celestial and you like you get bodied and knocked out yeah and this is where i am i exist right now where i get into celestial i win maybe one or two games in my challenger queue and then i get knocked out and uh it it doesn't it, it's not the worst but but I I wish it was I different. I think it's one of the worst. I hate it not being a straight up ladder of just like moving up and down an elo system. So like it's so disconnected from the rest of the game. The rest of the game you play on floors and like for the most part it like it, there's a silent elo machinations going on where it'll just say you know depending on I guess who you're losing to or how many times you you've lost. There's some like there's some sort of algorithm where all of a sudden it'll say like, you know, the next game is a rank up or rank down and you play that one game and you either go up or down a floor. And it's kind of weird. Cause I think you don't even have to be in that floor. If you don't want, I think you can actually like choose to just move up and down fl- floors. I think you actually get locked out of lower floors, but if you want, you can just like jump up a few floors higher and fight people yeah, who are if you're above floor your, eight, you can, you can play uh, floor 10, 10 right? Like, you can just jump up a couple floors or whatever if you want. But it's but the game is basically, like, 
telling you, you know, you can't fight people below that. You can fight people above that. Uh, but we want you to be, we think you're in floor eight. Usually one of the important things about fighting games, like one of the the ways that you learn is you play people that are of your skill level or slightly better because it helps you to develop mechanics and also maybe while you're, and, and mind games, like seeing kind of like, oh, I do this mix up and uh, I'm realizing that like it used to work all the time on people. But when I went, now I'm going up another floor, the these people are not, being mixed up by this like these people have seen this before and they're getting out of it consistently so i need to start doing a new thing so what makes you like kind of learn as you're going is you keep you know fighting these people who are of equal or slightly greater skill but not much greater skill so that so like the whole system kind of works normally it, it works in such a way until floor 10 where everything changes and you're fighting like the best of the best all, it, it feel, I, I've said before on the podcast, like it feels like there's supposed to be like a floor 15. Like it feels like there's supposed to be, because floor one through like seven or eight, let's say like floor one through eight, right? Is like people that are so below my skill level that are like the people who in, in all likelihood, like this might be their first fighting game or maybe they've never sat down to learn a fighting game. So it's like they don't even have the fighting mechanics. Like you can destroy them on a basic strike throw kind of just like basic strike throw uh psychology like you can just get around everything you can see that like oh when put into this situation they will always dp or they will always super on wake up if they have the meter and you just like learn to do this and you beat it all the time and there's no there's no challenge and then you get to like floor nine and ten where people can take games from you or you can like fight matchups and you, you don't really know. But for the most part, I feel like I, I, I just basically win in floor 10 enough to get put into Celestial. And then I just get bought. Like you don't learn anything. And, and I what, wish that I could just fight the, the Celestial players. I think one of the other problems, I, I, me too. Like I think one of the other problems is, is how, and I've thought about, I've given a lot of thought about this, is how Guilty Gear and certain fighting games um, work. Like, more anime fighting games um, have this thing where when you are, when the person is on offense, you are subject to, like, their game and their offense. So you're not getting to play mind games as much. Like, in a game like Street Fighter or something where you get knocked down a lot and then you stand up and then you're, the, the neutral is reset, it, it becomes a little bit more about, like, many cho- you have many choices throughout the round that lead to the end, but, like, a guilty gear or blaze blue like it can it can oftentimes feel like you know there was neutral they won the neutral and i have no idea what happened after that then it was like mix up city i could not get out of it I, they just like pushed they they did one combo to corner and like did like 80 mix ups and even if i blocked 79 of them and then on the 80th mix up they got me and then i lost the round and then so like you're never i'm never getting a chance to like like when people are way better than me at Guilty Gear, like there's there's like, you know, five seconds of neutral, they get a hit and they either like put me into block stun or get a knockdown. And even if I'm in block stun, it's like if they're so good, like they convert that 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 single moment of block stun into the rest of the round. Like they'll just have like yeah, unbelievable the damage pressure. is ridiculous too. Yeah. So in, in Guilty Gear it is that way too, where like there's like you've essentially two combos or so to to win or lose the game. So like a, a, a good player like like you need to win so like we said before like in celestial if you lose two games you're out if you lose two full games you're out and in a round of guilty gear you basically like there it comes down to like two it'll it'll end up being like two different combos that killed you so it's like what that one time that you didn't block 
high or something that one time that like you didn't block the other side was the thing where it got you and like you lost because of it like you know like it's it's kind of demoralizing sometimes when you're like especially when you block a ton of things and then it's that one thing that gets through and like you, you get eaten you get eaten by like an 80 percent health combo but it, it just the in guilty gear it just feels like there's a disconnect like floor floor 10 leads to celestial waiting room and the types of people in those two rooms have nothing in common like floor 10 people drop combos make mistakes like are subject to like my level of psychology like i can do a strike throw and get people so like flustered that they're making mistakes or like get in their head and the floor 10 people like they do that to me like they just they play a single player game against me all the time like that i don't even understand usually what is making me lose i don't understand like how they're like reacting way faster it almost feels like a like an option select thing of like any option i choose was like the wrong one in that scenario and it's like how is this happening they're just like that much better than me it's insane but it, yeah. it, 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 i find it very like demoralizing I, I don't like it i don't like it. It, it i wish that it were a straight up uh uh ranked like number elo ladder kind of thing and it's also we've also talked before about how whack the system is anyway because like you're not just getting paired up with randos you get to see what level they are and see what character it is so it kind of bothers me thinking like well maybe i could get to celestial if i sat around and like you know rob the cradle like i i watched you for... should try to go after people who are also uh doing their celestial challenge yeah like if i just sat around in and celestial people right... wait for you like when you go into celestial as like a as someone coming from floor 10 people follow you around mm-hmm. and just try to fight you because they know yeah there's a there's a whole nother level being done in celestial and they can take they can they can smell that that the, the, the smell of the game and when you get to floor 10, like, I, I mean, it, it, I, I just don't like that. I don't, I don't like these aspects of it. I wish Guilty Gear is weird, too, because they still don't have anything that tells you what the, the connection is, what the opponent's connection is. Like, I, I play on East Coast, so I should have a good connection. And sometimes I'll just get people who, like, I have, like, 200 frames. I have 200 MS and, like, 20 frames of rollback. And it's, like, just miserable. And it's, like, what is going on? Are you... Like lag switching, are you playing from the West Coast? But this is the time that you want to play, or like, do you do you play? Do you live like like sort of like Bane? Do you kind of live in this darkness? Were you born in this darkness, the lag darkness, and like this is how you know to win? Um, I, I hate it. I, I I really wish it were straight up, just like you're going up and down. A number is what you get. That's what your rank is. You're going up and down it, and you don't get to choose who you're gonna fight against you get to choose if their connection is good or if they disconnect a lot. Something like that. Something simple. I don't like the ranked lobby and how that well, kind of plays into it. It's not the only fighting game with rollback, though. It's not the only fighting game with rollback. So we got that going for us, right? Yes. We're, we are so... We, we do have to... <laughs> I guess we're... These are good topics, but I feel like there are so many things I want to talk about. So Blaze Blue um, and Blaze Blue Continuum. Cross Continuum Central Fiction. Shift. Central Fiction. Central Fiction. Um, right. uh, got... Uh, got rollback, and so did Blaze Blue Tag Battle, which is a game that has at I some think, point at some point, and which is a game that has twenty people playing it. And I don't know. I mean, rollback has been a reviving uh, thing to these games. Like uh, it certainly brought like like rollback brought a ton of people back to uh, Central Fiction. Yeah, I'll keep messing that up. Oh yeah, to Blaze Blue. To Blaze Blue. There you go. Um, and it happened. Didn't it kind of happen happen a little bit out of nowhere? 
little while well, people have been talking about it happening for a while because there was a uh, this mod group that did a rollback mod for Blaze Blue. And it was an interesting mod because if one person had it, it added rollback to the to the match. Wild. I have no idea. Yeah, how, how does that, that work? I don't know, but it was interesting because I had that mod installed, so I had played online a little bit, and it felt really smooth. Uh, so I believe Arxis hired these guys uh, to do their rollbacks, and and I, I don't know that they like kept this under wraps. I, I feel like they. Like it was sort of known that this was coming. Some people definitely knew. Um, so yeah, uh, what was the event again? Was it CEO? I think it was CEO that just happened. Yeah, so at CEO, they announced a new character for Guilty Gear Strive, and they announced a rollback for uh, Blaze Blue and uh, Blaze Blue Tech. And it's been good. I've been playing a lot of Blaze Blue. Yeah, I unfortunately trying to play online to not friends. I mean, I think it was just like. I was playing maybe at like 2 a.m. Um, Eastern time or 2 or 3 a.m. Eastern time um, because my schedule, I'm now suddenly overnights. This is a whole nother thing. Um, but so my schedule is all screwed up. I sleep at like nine in the morning and wake up at like six. It's horrible. Um, but uh, I, I couldn't get anyone to play. Like I, I wasn't getting that many matches and it was really bad uh, connection. I had like a massively horrible connection on, on ranked with the ones I was getting. But um uh it's wild to go back to that game because it's like such a completed game at this point there's so many there's such a large roster of different characters yeah blaze blue has always had a really cool central uh mechanic that is very understandable and digestible to most people who don't even play fighting games i think if you even when, when you explain stuff like rollback or if you if i explained a lot of like fighting fighting game systems like uh like crazy you know, I'm trying to think of something that would like alpha guard, alpha cancel or something like that, that people would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. But if you can explain like every, every of the buttons you have, you have A, B, C, which is like sort of a light, medium, heavy attack and a drive and a drive. The drive button is kind of like central to the character's identity. It's usually whatever main kind of thing that they do. It's their gimmick. button. Yeah. Um, so you might have characters that like, uh, What's a good example? Like Hibiki uh, is a character. Uh, control I'm... the wind. Yeah, Hibiki is a character I'm playing, and like he creates a clone that runs out of whenever you press the drive button or his different drive buttons. So like, uh, you know, Arakune, I guess, uh, possesses people or like puts on like a curse on people Arakune when you hit their. puts puts a bug on, shoots out bugs, and then if he shoots out enough bugs, then you get the curse. Uh, then there's a character who can control the wind, uh, just pushes the drive button in an direction and. Uh, projectiles and the characters uh, head in that direction. Character I've been playing, Kokonoe, puts down a magnet uh, and sucks her and the enemy to the magnet. And then, like, all of her projectiles and things interact with the magnet. So so that's kind of, like, what the drive button does, where it's just, like, it is the character's gimmick button. And then everyone has light, medium, heavy. And, and they, they throughout the years, uh, Blaze Blue... They've kind of just added things to characters rather than taken them away. So at this point, all of the characters have like tons of different buttons and abilities and things like that. And yeah, like you said, they feel very like full and complete. And like all characters feel like they have an answer to different things. Like it doesn't feel like you're in a situation of my character literally has no button for this. Although I'm sure, I'm sure that that happens a lot. I, I I've been watching because of whenever I get into a fighting game, I kind of watch a lot of either pro stuff or different things. If I if I start playing a character in a fighting game, I want to watch how 
professionals or people in tournaments kind of pull off that character and what kind of is their go-to mix-up? How do they deal with certain situations? And I've definitely seen that game. I mean, this hap- this ha- kind of has to happen. This happens in most fighting games in general, but happens pretty brutally in anime games, I think, in, in general, where there's sometimes, like, really wonky matchups. Like, I mean, well, I, in, in general, like, Arxis does this a lot. Like, Guilty Gear has some wild, like, you know, 9-1-y kind of matchups where it used to. I don't think that Guilty Gear Strive is quite as bad um, with it for the most part, but, um, uh, like in its history, it's had things where it's like Axel just devastates Zato and Eno. And because of that, you can't really play those characters at a tournament or you have to have counter picks. Um, and I've seen in blaze blue, it's similar where like, you know, there's certain characters where they don't fare phenomenally against some of the cast. So even if you want to play them, like as your main, you might need to pick up a sub character to deal with some bad matchups. Um, uh, but I but I don't know, like, I'm not playing at that level to to say entirely, surely, whether or not that works like that. But I but I do see it, you know, in like tournaments. Yeah, it it does feel like so Blaze Blue, like the population went up. It's still not super high, um, but it's it's matching some games like Strive. But it has made me think about how nice it's going to be when um, Project L comes out and it's just a. Uh, everyone is going to be playing the same fighting game and it's going to be like the most popular fighting game probably that there's ever been on PC. Yeah. And I'm just looking forward to that. Like there's a fighting game that is like that, that everyone's playing. Uh And, and the only, the closest you get to that right now is like Tekken where Tekken is like far and away the most popular game by like twice. It's a, it's, it's second place person. You know what what I mean? Is that that street fighter or, Okay. Yeah, it's Tekken, and then it's Street Fighter, and then it's Mortal Kombat, and then it's anime game. Strive and uh, Blaze Blue have been around the same numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it would be cool to have like, and and Riot just supports their things so well that like you know that it's a like five year minimum that th- you'll get out of this, if not even more. Like, because I haven't really seen any of their things. They haven't discontinued any things. Like, I don't know how well Rune Terra does, but uh, like. Those like their kind of spin-offy games or side games, like they're supporting incredibly well. You know, like Runeterra has gotten tons of of stuff. Even though like I've kind of I walked away from it for a long time, and I don't know how it fares overall. It's still getting like tons of updates and tons of new things. Um, Listen to you talking about Legends of Runeterra. I know I have something to say about that this week. Uh, but on Blaze Blue, uh, it's been really cool. I I I am a sucker for um trial modes for challenge mode um so i do think that like i've I've played way more just challenge modes than actually playing the game at all um i just like love uh the get the feeling of getting some of these combos down or like learning the combos on different characters and then in most fighting games once you start learning a few different characters and you start getting some of the combos down, you start getting the feel for combos across the board. And there's a good like translation, even though like the characters will play so differently and feel so differently, you get a feeling for like how they want you to different weird, like little mini things and timings, different weird little idiosyncrasies. And you, you get better at all that. And it's like, it's really satisfying to like be trying something for, you know, like a a ton of times in a row and finally nail that combo. And then a lot of times after that, you're just like, okay, now this is easy. Like when you leading yeah. up to like the final time you get it, you get it like there'll be, you know, 
50 attempts where you're just like, I don't even know how this is doable at all. And then by the time that you're getting it, like that last couple times, you're like, oh, I'm almost getting it. And then you finally get it. And you're just like, I don't even know how you make a mistake. I could do this blindfolded. I, this is like pretty easy. But yeah, uh, I've been having that same experience. Um, so there's a lot of cool characters. The I'm still like looking around the cast. Um, if it, uh, it is a quite finished fighting game. There's a lot of uh, like there's I love that they have so many challenge modes and so many characters and the characters play so differently. So, and the, the yeah, rollback it's, it's is It's hard nice for me. It's been hard for me to stick to one character. So I, th- I because... think like that, that makes sense because we're not coming to it. Well, like you played a lot more blaze blue. I played blaze blue around when it came out and out around the first major um, thing was bat when, when I was playing blaze blue, just to give an indication of this, like this was when um, they didn't make like DLC pretty much like you bought a new one. Uh, they they made like another Blaze Blue that had like new characters. Like that's how you, fighting games worked back then. Remember and that like was, uh, Continuum Shift. Continuum Shift. Was the second like one I, I remember playing Hazama in it, and I think Gawi played Subaki. Uh, and it was it's weird. Like that's the way that fighting games used to work. Like the uh, the net code was horrible, so you couldn't really play online. You mostly just played your friend, and there wasn't like you know the slow release of characters that you see today these days i would just like a faster release i guess when you like like relatively where just like you know every month or every two months you get a character or something that comes out as dlc it would just be like we we printed a new disc and the new disc has four characters go buy that disc even if you bought the other game you need to buy this one and that's why continuum shift actually did get the oh it did the second one it did uh yeah the first one calamity trigger did not get dlc but the second one did get to you. So, yeah, I remember having to buy that one. Yeah. Which is wild. Back in the day. Um, but now, you know, like, it is different coming back to it after all these years and seeing, like, oh, this character's got this dream going on. This character's got this dream going on. Like, you don't have an initial starting cast to, like, try out things and then slowly, like, you know, they drip feed characters and you can get to, you know, nipple on the characters. Um like uh like you would if you're coming back to this game right now where it's like there's like a massive yeah it was it was interesting roster. when uh blaze blue first came out that they, they included uh a dvd i remember this well with the game and, and the dvd just gave you information like a uh, introduction to the characters and told you like what their game plan was how to set things up and... yeah some basic combos and stuff i remember too it's wild i guess if they're if they're gonna release a game that's like that like complicated like brand new like experiencing like those 12 really unique characters for the first time uh yeah they just had to do that that game got like a extremely high ratings when that game came out i don't know if you have to do it i think it's a cool addition but there was no like trial mode i don't think so right there was there was a trial mode in the beginning there was yep even in the first blaze blue they had the trial mode how about that that's the blaze blues right not the only fighting game that we played this week not the only fighting game that we played this week the fighting game that we the the that we fight on. We the, also played Dungeon and Fighters Duel. DNF Duel had its open beta this weekend. Indeed, um, I had a I had a really good time with it. I would I hope some things get changed. I this is uh the I guess eighting is uh what did what did they do before this again? Uh, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three maybe or like wasn't it Tatsunoku versus Capcom or something? We, this is that this, could be right. This should be something. That Let we me see know. what Aiding did. Uh, Aiding did. Well, they did Bloody Roar. Uh, let's see. DNF Duel, Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Of course they did. Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. La-di-da. Tatsunoko versus Capcom. 
Marvel versus Capcom three. So a storied history. Yeah. So this is like the the dungeon fighter online um, cast put into a fighting game, uh, brought to life by Arxis. Um, I think it looks amazing. Like I think it is like one of the best fighting games. I think Arxis always outdoes himself. It's wild. Like going back to older Arxis games and thinking like this is you know th- th- like whenever Arxis releases a game, I'm always just like, how could they have even possibly improve on this aesthetic? And then they kind of managed to do so uh, in a wild way. Um, but uh, this kind of dropped a little bit out of nowhere. I think, didn't we, um, a year ago, there was like the announcement trailer and then there was nothing until like a, like a month or two ago, right? There's nothing, there, there's like nothing till a month or two ago. And then, yeah, and then I want to say, started dropping characters like trailers. right at the time that Riot released their Project L trailer, whatever, um, that was like right around the time that like the day after that, they released another dungeon fighter trailer and then leading up to like a week ago they they said you know we're we're doing a um open beta which is kind of wild because like we didn't even know almost anything like the trailers we had seen seconds of game yeah but the trailers don't even show like they show off some mild combos and like skills being done but that doesn't give you an idea of even like the system what is this what are the systems what is a ui look like how do the characters move around on screen? Like, how big are they? Is this a um, game where you're moving around super fast like Marvel? Is this a game like Street Fighter where it's maybe a little bit slower paced and you're more fighting for space? Um, the answer is the Street Fighter one. Uh, so we didn't really know much about it. And then this whole week, kind of, they were just releasing trailers, like 30-second trailers for characters that would be playable in the beta. So wild. Like, the, much of the game just came to light literally the day of the beta like the they released the beta like nine o'clock or something that night and then earlier in the morning like for a couple hours they were releasing these like 30 minute videos that explained some of the mechanics and explained stuff like health which was which is something that maybe and and mana yeah and i still don't understand some of the systems in the game i think i understand conversion now after watching jm croft's video uh it was something that like i didn't really do delve much into the so one of the biggest problems with any sort of beta or like this kind of this beta, what the way that they handled it, and it's like the first thing that must be addressed an elephant in the room is that uh, this is a fighting game and there is no training mode. The only way, the only thing to do in the beta was to queue up um, and go into different rooms uh, and fight people. That's it. Um, Wasn't that fun though? Isn't that better? Oh, I mean, we talk about this. I've, this is something that I'm sure people have heard me talk about on the podcast, but I don't even like, I don't like playing, I love playing fighting games, but I don't want to play a fighting game if I don't know how to play it. I don't want to play a fighting game, like, I don't want to just start a new one and mess around and press buttons. Like, I want to have a good combo, I want to know the systems a little bit, I want to have a couple different, like, combo starters and routes and know how to get to a super or, like, you know, know how to do something that uses my meter um, I don't think they're they're fun because it's like playing. I, I think I think specifically though this one was fun because everybody like I can understand where you're coming from, but I think that for this game it being like day negative ten, yeah, which is like where this game is at. It was kind of cool like discovering characters along with the community, thinking about like I'm the first one. I I might be the first player ever to have done this combo. Yeah. And I and and I think that 
you know, that's an experience that you can share uh, with whoever you're fighting in a way that you couldn't if it were, uh, you know, a there were a training mode. Because then you would just have lab monsters sitting in the lab all weekend. Yeah, I, I kind like, of I, figuring I, characters out and 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 everything they'd figure out would like not matter at all because of the way that things would get adjusted, balanced. It wouldn't be good data, you know. Ultimately, yeah. like it wouldn't lead to good data. I understand. You know, it's an it, it is so interesting. Like I I thought about the way that they handled it, and from like a development standpoint a lot of it makes a lot of sense um because you you it it was a beta not for the purpose of testing out the game or the balance or anything it was it was billed as a beta that was about testing the servers so they want you to log in and they want you to fight tons of random people and crash the servers and get an idea about how many people are going to play and the netcode is good and the netcode is really good when it's not and and so there is like some weird lobby system stuff. And, and, you know, we should also talk about the actual gameplay and what makes this game so weird at some point, but the, the net code is good. Uh, it still has server issues. It's doing this weird lobby thing that like every Japanese game and especially like Arxis seems to be like obsessed with where like you have like a little chibi dude that like sits at an arcade cabinet. Yeah. You walk and, like, around a free, you walk around an open space and then you go to an arcade cabinet to fight someone. I don't want that. I don't really want that. Necessarily. Although I will say that I like in, in Guilty Gear, they uh, added an option where like you can customize your room. So like when people enter your room in, in Guilty Gear, they like see your little designs and they have the same thing in Blaze Blue. And I, I do think that's kind of cool. It's like, this is this is my room. And I have like the wanted posters for everyone's characters around and things like that. But yeah, I, I almost like sort of also more... Good. I, I almost like sort of more have come around to it now that we're playing with a group of people, because if, it, if everything works fine, then the idea is like you have this like, you know, you have this group of friends that is in this open space and then you jump onto an arcade cabinet with someone and you're waiting, you know, to next if you can spectate and everything like that. Or if you oh, have. Oh, and that's another thing is the spectate in, in DNF. You could just hop in and spectate someone, even if it's in Guilty Gear, they do this weird thing where you have to spectate at the beginning. Yeah, before the people start the match. And then if you hit spectate, then it won't start. It's it's almost like this team played Guilty Gear and saw some of the issues uh, with the way that their lobby system works. And then did some of them again. Yeah, and they're like, well, we're going to do the same thing, but ours is going to be just uh, better in a couple ways. And it is. I I understand Uh, why they would do some of these things, but I also think that that, uh, the problem with some of these, the thought processes behind this, is that people will find a way. So they're just going to make it unfun for themselves. It's just less fun for themselves. Like a good example is like they wouldn't, they didn't allow you to invite friends. So what we would have to do is make a lobby with weird rules. And this is what we did for Guilty Gear too, by the way, because there wasn't like, there's not invites in Guilty Gear. Um, it, it, they, they've made the lobby process in Guilty Gear better, but do you remember like early Guilty they, Gear? They didn't make it better. They didn't. We just have worked around it so appropriately that we're used to it. I know, but even in the, in the beginning days of Guilty Gear, like even if you put in the correct weird lobby rules that we would put in, you would still find like half the time the, your friend wouldn't show up. It would show one person, two people. You'd refresh again. Now you've got four people. And it's like, but wait a minute. Why is it not just showing everyone whose lobby is available that has these rules? And why is my friend not there? You'd have to keep refreshing over and over and over again. Um, so a similar thing happened with this beta. It was like, 
we had to put on weird rules we figured less people would do and then refresh over and over again and half and like you know for five minutes you don't see your friend and finally you see your friend and you accidentally refresh again because you've been refreshing so often and you finally get in so it's like we still managed to play with our friends we just did it in a frustrating boring way you know like it, yeah like, that was that totally didn't make sense for uh like say jam was say jam was so uh bummed out by the by there being a lack of training mode because people who are lab monsters they still labbed this weekend james the way that they did it was that they had either like yeah. two accounts set up or they had a friend say jam had like a list a viewer um like pr like asked say jam like do you want to just you know i'll use my time and this, the viewer just allowed say jam to keep rematching him and like trying to combo or learn the system so like people are gonna do that you know like the best players in the world like have fans and care enough about this that like maybe you know like the Jay Wongs or something have their I don't even that's a weird pull but um like the Chris G's and the Kizzy K's have friends or you know like other pro players that are like hey give me thirty minutes to like you know like keep rematching me and I'm gonna like learn systems so like they'll learn it anyway they'll 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 lab it lab out shit anyway um so like all that stuff like. Training mode was in the game. You just had to skirt around it. And inviting yeah. your friends was in the game. You just had to skirt around it. So it's like, it just makes it worse for the player. Like, they'll do it anyway, you know? They they will. Uh, so onto the actual gameplay. So DNF is interesting because I think that it might be the easiest fighting game uh, I I maybe ever. Like, it might just be the easiest fighting game. I think game. there is one that is easier, and I forget the name of it, but Jamcroft was talking about it, that doesn't even have, like, crouching. Hmm. Well, this game and then is there like was that super robot simple. game, right? It's, that was like yeah, the that one that the, uh, but so the, the uh, roll something thunder. Uh, this yes, game, rolling thunder, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. That studio is now making Project L. Uh, so this game is interesting because it doesn't really have uh, like quarter circles and stuff like it that. It actually aren't necessary. does. And you aren't know what's necessary? weird? They are. They are actually necessary. Um, if you do the simple inputs, there's a cooldown on you regaining your mana again. If you do the difficult inputs, you start regaining mana instantly after you do the input. And every character has that? Every character has that. Every There's character a minor. has a difficult input? Um, yes. Every move has its own input. Um, Not every move. I think the only moves that don't have an input corresponding to them is neutral moves. I think maybe like neutral moves, like neutral S and M don't have an input. So what we're saying is that like they're... Uh, the, the, there's an A and a B, but there's there's no buttons in this game. Like, there's an A and a B button, a block button, we'll get into that, and a super button. So you don't even have to input anything for a super, you just pr press a button to do, like, their, this game's version of a super. So it's it's called skill, and that's a carryover from uh, D DFO. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the way that it works in DFO is that uh, in DFO, you have a basic attack and you have a skill button. And DFO, if you haven't played it, actually has uh, inputs. So it has like quarter circles. I did play this for a little and, bit. And like uh, down ups and things like that. So your skill button is like sort of your, I'm going to do the skill button plus a quarter circle and I'm going to get a fireball. But then if you do like you're an attack button and a quarter circle, you'll get like a, a, like a flying punch or something. So the S button, while it seems like it's like a, like a, do some like do something cool button. It it is like a a carryover from DFO. Did you play some DFO? I played a little DFO a long time ago in high school. You put me onto it for a little bit. Uh, so then so there's A B skill and then there's the M button, which is like the super move button. Yeah, which magic is, It costs 
it costs mana, it does a big thing, it extends a combo, it's a reversal, you know, all sorts of uh, abilities like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's there's these simple inputs, um, and for the magic, uh, at least the uh, simple inputs uh, don't give you magic back as quick. So there's a man health and mana. Um, I think you start out with, like, 100 mana, right? And then as you yes. take... And then, like, there, this is... There's a, there's a couple different, like, give-and-take mechanics. Um, as you lose health, you gain access to more base mana to do, like, more wild combos. Because um, one of the main things that is kind of, like, that this game does is that you're canceling a lot of abilities into each other. Like, that's pretty rare for fighting games, actually. And it's kind of, like, a unique spin on it that I guess, like, is meant to make it more flashy. Like, maybe the concept is, like, you know, Hadoukens and Shoryukens are fun, and people think that those are more fun than pressing, you know, doing a, like, medium punch, medium punch, roundhouse knockdown, you know? So maybe the the thought was, like, what if you could do Hadouken, Hadouken, Shoryuken into a combo? Like a rainbow mode, and, like, that's the game. So, like, the characters, like, most combos, at least day one, it's hard to say, like, what combo routes will look like eventually because day one um, Guilty Gear was, like... Everyone will kill in one hit. Day one Guilty Gear was, like, uh, you do... Uh, slash then you do down heavy slash and then you do an ability and that and then that was what you did with combos and day one i would have told i i really truly believed like for the first couple days like this game will have no combo ability like the characters won't look like different at all people are just gonna basically do the same kind of things like all the characters do slash down heavy slash into a thing and like i don't i can't see where the combos will sprout from if, if that's all you do and of course i'm incredibly wrong like how like the, the characters uh look all differently so at least for like these early combos um something that kind of works on every character is like a like a a b um which is your like your normals like a usually strings into b you could do like and maybe some character work like a a b and then you can cancel any of your normals into an s in a in, in a direction uh which is like a you know an ability like like in a lot of the other games that would be like a like a regular fighting game ability. And then uh, you can cancel any of the S's into any of the M's. And that uses yeah. magic. That's like, so like in a in a general sense, that's like canceling a Hadouken into like an EX, you know, Shuryuken or something like that. Yeah, and usually the M button can be used as an extender to start going from there. And, and this is kind of like a, similar to Mortal Kombat, where in Mortal Kombat, you'll do an EX move and the EX move will let you do like another string after it into like another M move at the end of it or another. So essentially it's like, if you have enough meter, uh, then you could just keep pushing the combo. Yeah. This was pretty wild stuff. Even with the, even with no training mode and with like trying to figure out stuff on the fly, I found out there's from, there seems like there's some pretty wild stuff with just like extending combos into crazy things. You know, one thing that I would say about this, the combo structure in this game is that it feels somewhat similar to what I currently feel like in Guilty Gear, Guilty Gear has this really good. Guilty Gear Strive has a, has incredible combo expression. Like once you learn the the characters, it, there's I'm sure you've noticed this before. But like once you've really put in the time with the characters, there's a lot of times where you can get this weird combos where it's like, well, I'm gonna I'm starting off my regular combo, but it kind of happened further away, or I hit the point in the out of the, out of the air or something, and I have to like slightly change the combo, or maybe they hit the wall. So you kind of slightly change the combo to make it work. And once you've played enough the character, you kind of can do that automatically. Just thinking like, 
oh, like from this height, I can hit them with this normal twice and a juggle and then go into my regular combo or something, something to like make it work. And I felt like in this game, there's going to be a lot of like weird case like that. Like I hit the character slightly further away than I normally do a combo. And it was easy but... to find that because the the routes are simple. Yeah, but and the, the, the routes are pretty simple. And, and, and at least for now, are... like super like the, the inputs are, are easy like the the only thing that i've had like any level of difficulty with is character having a micro dash mm-hmm. um so so i ha- so i have felt like there's a good combo expression early on and like it seems like there's some cool stuff and like well especially watching some of the videos of what people have learned like there's some more and like this game it almost looks like the combo is going to be shorter and they are shorter than like a blaze blue um but it looks like they are still going to be, you know, like 10 hit, 11 hit kind of like combos that go on for a little bit longer than, you know, any of us are, were able to manage in the beta for the most part. Um, so they're going to be long. They're going to be as long as every other game. Um, I mean, if, if you saw some of the striker stuff that's out there already, you know that. Well, striker is, is a particular thing. Cause she has like a reverse beat. She can always use any of her button. Like the, like in the other character with the other characters, like I said, like there's kind of this progression of like, a usually goes to B, B can go to S, and M and S can always cancel to any M. But then there's some, like, technical things in there that is something that, like, we'll have to get more time with the characters. Like, for example, um, this doesn't work on most other characters, if not, like, most of the cast. But, like, Hitman, for example, his S, his neutral S, is him stabbing a bunch of times like Dante. And then his forward S is him, like, sliding forward and slashing like Dante, Stinger. And... Uh, those cancel. So, so like his combo, unlike some other characters, I was fi- figuring out was like A B neutral S forward S, and then from that, um, you could also do a uh like forward M and then continue the and then the combo continued from that. Like there's some crazy because like, like the forward M brings them backwards, or you can like re set re combo or like set up a thing again. Um, so there's so the characters do have different routes, but just like I said, kind of similar to Guilty Gear there's a there's a core route that kind of works with everyone but then striker has this kind of unique thing where she can go reverse like instead of just going a to b and s to a to b sm like she can go backwards she can do like start out with like an m button and then do it and and then combo into like an a b string and do her crouching b which is like a slide um knockdown you know dragon knight can do that too oh yeah she can reverse beat um so that's pretty cool um not all the characters can do that so some of the characters are pretty interesting. I My current criticism of the game is that I feel like the characters uh, don't have enough going on. I feel like um, that's hard. You that, disagree. I do disagree. Uh, um, cause I, because I do feel, like I, like I said before... I'm coming like from I, Blaze Blue. You know? I, I, I feel similarly to... like I, I think that there, there I have some problems with this game, and I think some of those might not ever be addressed. I had a good time. I had a, a great time, actually, with the beta. I had like a real fun time figuring out the characters... And it was like this new fight, this this better than new fighting game feeling of like, I don't know anything about it and we don't have the training mode. So like when I would just find something that would work, it'd be like, oh shit, my BNB for this character just got longer and I didn't even know you could do this, but you can. And like we were uh, like, uh, I played with Galloway and John who is playing great actually. Like he was really doing well um, with these systems and these characters. Like he, he, he had some of the good mind games down and because of the early, you know, like he, he seems like someone who like, doesn't enjoy learning the combo routes or sitting down as much as he does enjoy just fighting his friends, you know? And there's a lot of people who are like that, actually. That's fair. So in a game like this where you can kind of, like, start doing stuff where it's just, like, A, B... And you're not even doing inputs at this point. You're just doing, like, A, B, S, forward S, M or something, and that works. Um, uh, You start to feel, like, better, and then you can focus more on the 
mind games element the more like the strike throw the wake up reversals grabs and, and that kind of stuff that plays into fighting games and he was doing great so like i was having a really amazing time just like trying out these this cast like figuring out something being like shocked that like oh this works and like what does that mean for the opportunities and then like having a multi-layered thing the other person's doing that too so like they would find something and it's like now i can't get anything to work and then suddenly i find out the new way to get around it was like it was a, like i had an awesome time with that i i feel like the cast is very different the the way that i ended up seeing the characters like when i what i felt like um on the first night was that the cast kind of played similarly but what i could see more by the end of the beta was that they're they're uh like the characters combos deviated a lot and like they especially it is a slower game it is like more of a street fighter so you do kind of want to um pace back and forth and kind of vie for spacing and footsies and where i felt like the characters operated in different areas and like what their game plans were felt very different like there's some kind of cool concepts here like an inquisitor is like a hit and run character a little bit where she has like a she can jump backwards and throw like holy water which like debuffs the enemy i guess and i thought makes that it... it was oil is it, is it oil or holy i don't know maybe it's not maybe it's holy oil water I, I assumed that it was oil but maybe i'm wrong because i thought that like she threw oil at you and then like she, she can light you on fire um uh so she so like she has that in her kit so like what i felt like you could do a lot of times is like she was a character who has a kind of mid-rangey space like she kind of loses the overall air space to like someone like vanguard or something or berserker but once she gets in like like she has better range than some other people so she wants to play at an exact like footsie level and if she gets in she can also like bait out a dp by jumping backwards and throwing oil or something like that and so she kind of wants to like get in back off a little bit and like reset to like a neutral that she feels comfortable with again because she her buttons are so slow like that was one of the other things i noticed is like there um one thing i liked about marvel is like there's this good feeling of like the lights have kind of a range that you'd expect. The mediums have kind of a range you expect and the heavies have a range you expect. And you kind of always expect to like see where the ranges you should be at are and how they beat out each other. And you get more comfortable with that system. It feels like, like the neutral feels very good. So I felt like this game almost played a little bit like soul caliber where like in, in like a 2d soul caliber where some of the characters like neutral, like uh, buttons are like, especially their attacks are like slow as hell to start up. Like, inquisitor versus like a striker like you'll never win um in a reset versus striker like the she has to ha like her fastest button has to be like seven or eight frames like it's slow compared to like a striker who's maybe like a five frame or four frame maybe probably maybe even like less than that like so you're losing but, but every character gets like a some sort of like reversal or counter right yeah every character has that but like in the neutral or like trying to like jab out or something uh, you, you, you like, you know, like certain matchups, like I straight up lose to these buttons unless I can get into a certain space. And like, that's what I felt like I liked a lot about the game was like that it'll ultimately end up being more a footsies and neutral, um, game where you realize like there's certain characters where like, I can press a button on them with my character, certain characters where you can't press a button on them. Um, but, uh, what, what, what is it what you're just saying? Cause I feel like I was leaning into um, I was just saying that every character oh, the has invincible a reversal. Um, I, I think that like, that is interesting. I think that this game, this game poses a lot of really interesting questions that like, I think that we've, that it's been on my mind for a long time about fighting games. Like I know project L will likely have, I, if not, I think they've totally confirmed that it'll have simple inputs. So like it will yeah. similarly to this game, smash inputs, it'll right? have smash, yeah. the smash inputs of like, you have buttons and then the inputs are 
you know, that button and a direction versus the Hadouken movement versus like down, down, forward, right. Um, and how will that affect games? And like, I've thought about these kind of things before too. Like if you take away some of that mechanical skill, if every character has some form of invincible reversal, even if it's tied to a meter um, on, on down M, uh, then like, what does that do to the game? Um, like, I, I, th I think it's an interesting question. Like, you always, whenever you do these kind of things, like, you risk making the cast feel samey, like, uh, uh, because, like, every, yeah. every cast doesn't always have, every member in a fighting game doesn't always have an invincible reversal, and even when they do, it's usually, like, like, in Guilty Gear, they do it in an interesting way, like, there's some characters who straight up have an invincible reversal in their kit, and there's most of the rest of the cast does when they have meter, um, when they can do a super, like they can wake up super. So it's something that like, you know, a character like maybe Giovanna is like a rushdown character. She has to be concerned about being knocked down because she gets knocked down. She doesn't really have a good way out of it until she gets a lot of meter. And even then she takes a big risk. Um, in DNF Duel, every character uh, has a down M that that is like an invincible reversal. Um, I think that like, that doesn't necessarily have to hurt it. Um, it can, it ultimately like to me felt like the game was like pretty honest. The more I played it where like the way to mixing up people was true, like strike throw mind games, you know, like the, the most of the cast kind of was like, they do things in different ways, but when you get down to the core of it, you're, um, you know, playing footsies and you're playing strike throw and you could still bait out these invincible reversals. Um, yeah, so so a couple of things on that. Uh, so the high-low mix in this game isn't uh, as interesting. There are no characters that have ground overheads. The only way to do an overhead is to uh, jump, do an aerial attack. Uh, some characters do have like some instant aerial like overheads that they could do like pretty quickly. So yeah, some uh, characters have uh, multi-hit overheads that are like the things that are meant to trip you up. Like uh, Striker has like why has like you know similar to like an Eno or something yeah. can do like three hits overhead. So if you're used if you're conditioned to most other cases like blocking that first hit, then going crouch, like you'll get opened up by this. There, there is a guard button. I don't know if the guard button blocks cross ups. Do you know? I do not. Um, um, I and and I I, I would hope not. this is part of my this is gonna be part of my two like major problems is like that existence of that because you can have like a simple game but like right now in this early game like there's some characters that have some cool side switch mechanics Inquisitor can dash can command dash through you um, every character in the game has a dodge roll kind of like an invincible yes. roll mechanic um, to get them out of the corner. Um, but you can, the enemy can kind of hit you out of the middle frames of it. Like the startup, I think might be invincible, but they can hit you or grab you out of the middle frames of it. Um, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Like one, the character that I'm playing dragon Knight, uh, they could set up their dragon to start, start shooting fireballs. So as this dragon is like shooting the fireball, you could like dash to the other side of them to like get a cross up, just like a pretty neat mechanic. Yeah. I think that I like, I like, I think that the simple input versus there being still difficult inputs that have a slighter, a slight reward is like an interesting way of doing things. But if they thought, but if the devs are thinking, look, I think that's fine because that's like something that is like more in the back and people who want to play the game better will learn like the difficult inputs. And if people struggle with um, command inputs for fighting games, then like they'll just keep doing this and not realizing like there's a minor trade-off. Um, and I think that's kind of, that's like mostly fine. Like it won't make them feel bad and they'll still be able to do cool compos. 
Um, but uh, the block thing, and like, I wonder if the thought is like new care, new players, because I think this is true. Um, new players will have difficulty understanding like to when to block, how it works, or like just simply the whole concept of like holding down back or down or back. Um, and I wonder if like the, it's easier for people to wrap their heads around like I am blocking now, so I will press the button that does the block. Um, but that I think like I like this game for how like I said before, like I think that the game is like a pretty honest like halfway between Street Fighter and anime, and I kind of like that that it gives people that the characters feel different, but still feel like they have options to deal with a lot of scenarios so that like, you can feel like you don't have to like lose a matchup. Like, like, Oh, this, you know, this is a zoner, but like this, this uh, range character won't get off me and I don't have a reversal. So you kind of feel like you're always in there. You kind of feel like you have that you might have the option in your kit to be able to get around whatever the person's doing, but adding the two things that I think that like jump out to me that like will create health issues in the future is definitely what you just said. Like the block button if that doesn't have a negative for it, if that doesn't like drain MP in the future or it doesn't like force you to block one side so like a mix up will truly hit you, then it'll take away from cool things that like have to be in fighting games to give characters unique abilities. Like yeah. there has to be cro like cross ups in general are an important part of a, of a of a healthy fighting game strike throw. Like there's like when you knock someone down, you begin the whole like guessing game of like, are they going to jump to the other side of you and hit you in the back? And that way you have to block forward and not backwards. Are they going to jump up neutral? Are they going to come down with anything? Are they just going to throw you? And like, if you, if people just get used to, and like block, if block button truly blocks anything and people get used to that, then like certain side switch things will not work. And that I don't think is great for like the future of the game. And I think that the lack of grounded overheads is also like a pretty weird omission it's probably yeah it's it maybe one of the weirdest omissions i could possibly imagine um but it sure does make it easy like it's, simple to understand yeah but but it, like it, it creates a lot of power in i think that this game has like a ton of power in defense already um if you're if you're blocking if the person is so, on the ground and you're blocking down back or you're or you're holding the block button down then like they're the only thing that the only harm that can come to you is a throw so unless throws are like ridiculous, well, you do get chipped pretty hard. You do get chipped pretty hard by M button. So there's that. It actually feels like, uh, uh, personally, I think that defense is not very interesting in this game. Uh, so you have your reversal, you have your dodge roll, you have your blocking, and then you have like a alpha counter. But uh, it, it feels like there is some missing defensive layer. Uh, sort of like a barrier blocking or, or something like that. I don't think that's... I mean, like, I feel like that's like similar to like a Street Fighter kind of where where the defensive options are not like system mechanics. They're in the characters. You know what I mean? Like, like we, we've we had this conversation, which I think is like a fascinating thing. And it's like no one's right or wrong. Like Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue both have like tons of system mechanics for defense. And Street Fighter has like no system mechanics for defense. There's not like a burst or a get off me or like a combo stopping thing. Um, but the defense is all within like the character is all like you learn the buttons that work at different ranges and you learn like, you know, defensive throw techs and you learn that kind of stuff. Um, so like it's, it's just a different focus, you know, like I don't think, I, do I don't know. think this game needs a block, a barrier or a pushback mechanic because the characters move very slow and it's like, it feels like, a lot of this game will be space control. And if there's something that like 
just pushed a striker off of you or pushed like an inquisitor off of you it it would i think it would be kind of weird um and i think it's kind of wild enough well, there like, is there is the alpha counter right there is the the alpha counter which does that um but it's like a very timed thing i want to say like yeah. this is something where it's like i don't know i never know like um uh the inclusion of this kind of thing like you think in the core of it breaks everything because it should be like it should turn every character into biken by default right like the the idea of an alpha counter is like while you're in block stun you can press a combination of buttons which i think is like a is like forward and m or something like that or forward and a and um uh do an attack while in block stun that like hits the opponent and stops the combo um and like certain characters in fighting games do this but like some some fighting games have this as a mechanic and it should like in theory make it so that offense is impossible right like because if you think like about a robot dealing with defense in this game that like shouldn't it be able to always alpha counter i don't know i mean there's there's usually ways to bait alpha if, if alpha counter ever got to be a huge part of the game there should be ways to bait it and then if it were like punishable it would become a part of the mind games but we'll see because i imagine that most people doing an alpha counter would do it off of uh as soon as someone lands the b move they would they would do that so we get really awkward if it if it turns into that. I mean, there's there's also like less of a need I, for alpha countering when you have a like a, a a one button invincible reversal. So the other thing about this game is that this game is supposed to come out in summer of next year, which means that it is at minimum uh, six months away, which is kind of surprising to think about, right? I mean, the systems are there. Maybe they don't have all the characters done. I don't know what they're planning to do with. Uh, the like story mode or arcade mode or whatever. Uh, we don't even yeah, know if that'll be, that be a challenge mode. That feels far away. That does feel pretty far away for how like I'm, well, I mean everything about this game's um, existence has been you very. You think this is a sixty dollar game? I've thought that before. I'm not sure. I, I think if the if the roster fills out a lot and they have side things, then then yes, because uh, that's just kind of I, I almost I mean, half expect that it would be a phenomenal forty dollar game because it's a fighting game. It's, it's interesting though, right? Because there is like different expectations for a forty dollar game. The game might actually perform worse at forty dollars because yeah. people will have this expectation of it's, oh, this is not a full product, or or this is like a um dis yeah like this is a this is a Nickelodeon All Stars brawl. This is a worse than expect. This is not a sixty dollar like major triple a game this is like a small indie company made this and i can't expect like you know but, but, everything from but it. that's impossible to think when you look at it right like the presentation makes it very clear that this game is of a pedigree yeah uh i don't know like i i think that it wouldn't shock me to hear it's a 60 dollars game i think if the roster is like the roster is already shaping up pretty well um in my opinion my, my, but... my current opinion on this game is that I don't think it's going to be anybody like, I don't think that this is going to be the main game for a lot of people, but I think it's going to be everybody's side game because it is pretty simple to pick up. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you stick with the simplified inputs, it almost is a smash of a, of a true fighting game. Like the, like, I mean, a smash brothers feel of a true fighting game of like, pick up another, go around the roster, pick up another character, a, B, S, M, you know, like, like you're still doing cool stuff. It's still working about. And then also because, there is like they're pretty they were pretty smart about the way the button maps work and the different character kits work where you know like i said if every character's 2m is an invincible reversal like usually their forward m is something that kind of moves them forward or does something forward so you kind of like end up you know with those basics in mind the same way that like smash brothers does that kind of brilliantly is like up b or whatever yeah. is always your get back 
button, you know? That's always your, like, your, like, move high up in the air and return back to the stage button. Or, like, a, a, a forward B might be your moving forward or your projectile, it, you know, anything that goes forward in that space. And maybe, like, you know, a down B, B is something defensive, you know? So, like, you kind of can jump across the cast in Smash Brothers and not be overwhelmed with, like, well, I haven't jumped into training mode, so I can't play this character. Like, and I think in, fight, in DNF Duel, like, after people get a couple hours in, they will feel pretty comfortable jumping onto different characters and not having the knowledge, but ju just understanding, like, these core basic combos kind of work on every... This core, like, button layout works for everyone. Yeah. So... We'll see where this nets out. That's DNF Duel. Yeah. I think I really wish that some of the moves in the game became an overhead. That's, I need to I think talk to you briefly about, about some other games. Go. Uh, Naraka Blade Point is having a free weekend. By the time this podcast goes up, it'll be uh, two weeks too late for you. Uh, it is on sale. So Naraka Blade Point is sort of like taking Dark Souls combat with like Breath of the Wild movement and putting it into like a battle royale game. So you're choosing one of, I think, like 10 characters that each have, they have like passive ability, active ability, super ability, sort of like an Apex Legends character. And then you're going around the world and you are picking up different melee weapons and you are using them to do Dark Souls combat at each other. So I I feel like as I say this, people are instantly figuring out whether this game is for them because that is like exactly what this, where it is like uh, pretty fast, fluid, like, you know, as non-janky as third person melee combat could be, but as like a battle royale game with like a super... Asian like fantasy magic setting. And I think that's everything that you have to know. Uh, it, it does that weird thing that uh, battle royales do when you first play it, where they don't tell you, but they put you in a, in a bot queue. Oh, I love that. So I started off and I got 11 kills and won the game, but halfway through the game, I noticed there was a carrot, like an enemy near me and they were like running back and forth between two points and i was like all right they're 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 trying to pull a fast one on me with this this, this I, don't, I don't know why they have to do that like do they just feel like your first game is going to be shit if you if we just drop you in there with everyone else mm -hmm. well the, i think the they want you to win else. so you get a feeling of like if your first game is like you know you're winning a winning game in a battle royale then your thing is like whoa that's dope i felt the feel of winning yeah and I, i'm so, amazing at this one of my favorite things about this game though is it has a, a fantastic grapple hook uh you are like hook shotting from like place to place you are like spider-manning around you can uh attack enemies with it and pull yourself to them and like attack out of the shadows it has um teams of three two or you could go solo there's a couple of different game modes including one that is just like uh you're going in and fighting and it's not about a royale so I feel like it has a little bit of every, uh, you know, sort of like a something for everyone. If you dig this kind of combat, it's going to be on sale. Uh, the Steam sales in like two days. I bet this game goes for like 10 bucks. Uh, this feels like it should be free. But interestingly enough, as a non-free game, this is like in the top five most played concurrent. I know. I always Steam. see it up there. I, I think it's the Asian audience that I, I think that this game is doing really well over there. It's a it's a solid game. There's I. I I feel like based on what I've said, you know if this game is for you or not. And if it's for you, then it's it's probably exactly what you're looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Uh, so now on to a game of the year contender, uh, which I don't want to talk too much about, but I picked up and I finally started to play uh, the Outer Wilds DLC, Echoes of the Eye. Uh, the base campaign for Outer Wilds, I think, is around 20 hours long. This one is probably about 11 hours. So this is it's a good chunk of game. And it reminded me of everything I love about Outer Wilds, because this is essentially like, do you like Outer Wilds? Here's more of it. And I feel like nothing is lost in that translation. It doesn't feel like it's hard to explain because it feels like it fits in the world so well. It feels like it's always been here in a way. Yeah, I was going to ask, so, like, so it's it's just a new thing in the solar system or it's new little bits of so, things in the solar so system? So let me give you the, the smallest, teeniest spoiler about the way that you start this. So at the start of the game, they put a new exhibit in the museum and the museum the exhibit is related to a um a a beacon that travels through the solar system um and just takes pictures so you go to the radio tower which is a new place in Timberhearth, and you're looking at the radio tower and there are different images around the radio tower that were the images are essentially this beacon in the solar system has taken screenshots of the sun at different uh, degree angles. So the the uh, the solar system is a horizontal circle in this game, but the uh, beacon travels as a vertical circle. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. But what you notice when you look at the different pictures is that at one of the uh, degrees, uh, there is an extra celestial body. Uh, and it is directly in front of the sun. There is just like this black like this black circle that shouldn't be there. So you go to the beacon when it is at that trajectory and you'll see this giant circle and then you fly towards it and you find something in the solar system that doesn't belong there. And that's where the DLC starts. Okay. Uh, and it is, uh, it is like very, it's, it's a little spooky. It, in the way that like a lot of uh, Outer Wilds is. So the feeling of coming across this um, celestial body reminded me a lot of when I first went to Giant's Deep, uh, that water planet, and you penetrate the surface of it, and there is just like this this electric, and there's like these creatures, and it is like this feeling of, I feel very small in this world. And I think that that's what the DLC gets you with. And I definitely could see where this uh, could start to get pretty smooth. Um, that's all I want to say about it. But uh, I, I really can't recommend it enough. Like, I know that you're someone who loved Outer Wilds. Oh, I love Outer Wilds. And this is, it's straight up more Outer Wilds with no caveats. Yeah, I always feel weird about those kind of things where it's like I like this thing so much that I almost, it's like a complete package in my mind that to hear that it's anything it but perfect. Yeah, I know. So maybe I'll, I will check it out. Um but I, it's always weird to come back to it, just be like, this was so amazing, I didn't need more of it, and they made more of it. Yeah, I, I do want to try. And going back into that world and, like, hearing the music again. Oh, when the you, music like, is the best. Hearth, it and, makes uh, me want to cry when... Oh, it's gonna that game you. is unbelievable. That game is just... it's. I, I've thought about it so many times, like, that game is a top 10 of all time game for me. Like, it is incredible how much it's doing. Like, oh. Honestly, like games like Outer Wilds are what make me want to have kids, right? Because you want to have 
this experience of showing someone this for the first time and being mm-hmm. like, how amazing is this? Right. And, and that is something that Outer Wilds gives you. I love that and you're like, going to be like, like a dad that you're just like, you're, you're 15. You're probably old enough to understand this. You must sit down and play the Outer Wilds. But, but it is this kind of Jimmy thing Jr. of like, you almost feel envious of people who have never played it, who have the opportunity to play it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then you'll like say that to someone and they'll be like, yeah, I don't think so. It's not for me. And it's like, you don't know what you're missing. Those are video games. Um, I played a ton of card games. This oh, yeah. Which is did. wild. Um, I played Magic the Gathering did probably one of the craziest biggest steps in Magic the Gathering history. Uh, I've been around. I've played uh, a couple different, you know, formats of Magic, um, different like releases or like different eras of Magic. It started with my. Uh, our our shared weirdest friend who also uh, was the one who got me into Blaze Blue. Um, he was a big Magic player too. Um, I think he similar to, to him, his existence at that time. I don't know if he really understood how to play Magic. I feel like he played like banned cards a lot against me. Um, but uh, uh, so I've been playing Magic or some form of it every once in a while, like you know, very inter- intermittently um, since I was a kid. And uh, uh, Magic uh, made the Magic Arena, which is a um, online Magic uh, app that was on the computer. And then they more recently, I think, like within this year, possibly, I forget if it was last year, um, made uh, the Arena Mobile um, app, um, which you would almost think like, how does that work? Because there's so much text on Mag- on some Magic cards. And Magic is like a pretty wild game uh, sometimes. It's like, you know, just like 50 minions on a board or something. Like, how do they do it? They kind of, They do manage it to do it pretty well. Um, so one of the biggest steps ever, um, for magic and why is that? And why, what is the biggest, one of the biggest steps ever for magic? It's a, um, magic mode called alchemy. Um, and, uh, magic, the arena used the exact same cards, uh, for, uh, standard card magic. And there's certain things you cannot do in card games that they currently do a lot of in, um, digital card games. Um, like, like Hearthstone, uh, was the first to like, kind of start, I, I don't know if they were the first like true digital card game, but they're the first majorly popular digital card game that like got people into this space and Hearthstone will do something like, you know, give minions in your hand plus one plus one. Yeah. And, and this is so interesting because you, you might ask, if you don't think a lot about card games, you might ask like, why is give minions in your hand plus one plus one impossible to do in magic? And the answer is because your hand is secret. Like, you don't want to tell someone what minions are in there. And your opponent has no way of knowing if you draw a card later on or something. And you're like, yep, this was in my hand when I I drew this. So, like, this... I know this. So, there's tons of things. That and, like, the creation of cards a lot of times is, like, something that card games... Oh, there's some... Yeah, that's some crazy Hearthstone stuff. Remember when Hearthstone just had to create a spell? Yeah. And that was one of, like, the abilities? Yeah. Um, stuff like a lot of times like or random, add a card to your hand more like random things yeah add a card to yeah. your hand like these are kind of things that like they're like sometimes when done correctly they're these kind of fun random things or like what magic arena does a lot of times it, it's i think is a cool step from hearthstone because hearthstone is a hearthstone and rune terror which are the two that i'm kind of comparing it to are both much more simplistic magic has stuff like exiling cards it has stuff like the graveyard and resummoning cards like tons of cards interact things that are in the graveyard in a lot of decks are not dead like you can tons of decks especially black decks um, have ways of getting cards out of the graveyard. So, like, they're these huge... And then blue decks will, like, exile their own cards. So they're out of play. They're not 
the opponent can't deal with them, but then there's certain mechanics that allow you to like like recast an exiled card or something. And Magic the Arena does some cool things where it's like it, the wording on it is usually permanently. You change the card, so like this, so like if you have a card, like you play a card that's like plus, give a, pl a card in your hand plus one plus one permanently. Then no matter what happens to it, it's like drawing a sharpie. Uh, on the card in regular magic it goes into the graveyard it's dead for a while now it comes back you revived it and it comes back on the field with plus one plus one or they do crazier things like like you know like add this add this text to this card this card now does this this card counts as a land this card um if you tap it can silence your opponent and it'll like add that for the rest of the game it permanently affects the card um for the rest of like that session so this is a magic game that does that, which I think is pretty wild. And it's currently using this set, um, one of the new sets. I guess the overall set right now is Innistrad, and the most recent thing is Crimson Vow, which is a very vampire set. It's like all vampires, and a lot deals with these like um, different new like uh, blood vial mechanics. Like they create this like a lot of these vampires create like tokens and you can use the tokens for different things and there's werewolves too that use this like day and night cycle that's bizarre um uh and uh the way that alchemy works is it it uses that set but it uh there's alchemy decks that have like you can buy you know the regular crimson uh vow decks or you can buy alchemy decks and the alchemy decks like give half of the deck is alchemy cards which are the like which are these alchemy cards that are impossible to do in card magic um and it's a very fascinating weird step and right and i was kind of coming in just i started playing magic again like a month ago just before alchemy launched and i was playing just uh the regular like you know crimson vow set right now and it was weird to come in at that time because when alchemy launched i had no idea like what even is this mode and yeah. uh, when i looked online it was like it is so polarizing like there's so many people that are just like, I'm done with magic forever. Like I'm done with it. Like you're hearthstoning this game. You are sure you are like, which like, is weird also because this is like a, an optional sort of thing, right? Like you it, don't have, to it is an optional sort of thing. This. Um, I guess it, I guess it, it, it means a lot to a lot of these people that say I'm done with this forever. I guess it means a lot to a lot of different people. Like, uh, there are people who see this as being the death knell of, of paper cards, physical paper cards, which is also like, this is a, troubling time to be playing magic the gathering yeah actually so that's an interesting vis-a-vis -vis covid that is an interesting topic actually because what i found out was that uh and what a lot of pundits say like you know mad nothing will kill paper magic is because during covid there were tons of tournaments over zoom um just you you would look at you know like they, they just had your your you take a picture you have the, the camera on your desk and show you know what you're you're, you're doing and play different magic formats like i think sometimes they didn't do, they were just doing more like friendly formats because there might be ways to cheese it or whatever but um there were uh yeah there, they still played like magic was still playable um over uh e even physical magic was playable during the pandemic with zoom and stuff like that um and discord so so it's a it's a resilient game i mean it's been around forever it's the card game that kind of spawned playing playable card games um, so like, I don't know if the health of it is in, is in so much question, I guess for a lot of people, uh, it's like the worry is that the main way that people do interact, more, one of the more common ways that people interact with magic. And you can imagine the pundits interact with magic is that they just play arena and get clips from that because it's arena up until now was true paper magic, but 
without being in person. Like you could queue up at any time of night or any time of day and, and get these clips and like try out any deck and not have to be in a tournament or, or, you know, in person. And, and, uh, it was like how streamers, uh, magic did this kind of stuff. And that now the shift will be to alchemy and they have these kind of cards that do these wackier things. Like they have cards that die and then, then give you a random choice of cards. And like, how can you ever say, you know, that's true in balance. I mean, it's a card game already. So like, I already draw problems with like the whole concept of like, of like, I don't want RNG in my card game dog. You're playing magic. Magic has, you can some draw mechanic. You could just sometimes draw you land. can, you yeah, can not know. draw. Sometimes you can not draw like things you want. Sometimes your opponent can, you can play something perfectly and your opponent top decks the perfect thing. That's always a problem with card games. And magic has always had this even more so because like you said, with like, like digital card games largely fix this kind of thing, which like, to some people isn't a problem like i guess it's arguably yes or no like the way that lands work um like in other in digital card games usually you just have a ramping up mana you start the game you can only play a one mana spell the, the second turn you can play two mana things like in magic you have to actually like draw these man these like colored lands and if you're playing and sometimes you're playing like a multicolored deck like a black and and a red deck and maybe you start out with a hand of like all these red cards and you're not getting drawing the swamps. Like you can mulligan, there's things in it in the game to kind of like slightly deter or offset this randomness, but there's randomness in card games in general. And like, there's only so much that like you can get good at card games before there's like a, there's a skill ceiling you hit. You know what I mean? Like there's a, yeah. there's, there is a definitive there's skill ceiling. There's, there's always, there's a zero, finite number of decisions. There's zero, there's a finite number of decisions. There's zero mechanical skill to playing magic. So, you know, like I, like I, I think that like I, I somewhat like disagree with the premise of like ma paper magic is pure, and now you're hearthstoning it and making it like random goblins versus gnomes, and now it, it is interesting also to think like theoretically about the differences between like the physical and the computer game, where even like imagine online poker, right, where you don't have anyone's tells. Like yeah. there's this idea of like oh people have tells, which is you know sort of true sort of bullshit like that's that's the thing that they ham it up for in, in tv and movies yeah to make it uh, so that, that there's like true insane level of poker when really it's like a slightly above average like the best poker winners are like you know win 55 percent of the time or something like yeah exactly so it is interesting to think about like magic from that angle of like are good magic players also able to like read people's tells are they paying attention to like the slightest differences in the sleeves of their cards or something like that to like see different like sleeves moving around? Like it's hard, it's impossible to say, but I, I guess there is this idea of like, they have done this to magic and now magic will never be the same. Yeah. That I think is the finality of it is like, is like, is, is arena going to become magic alchemy? Like is, is alchemy going to become the synonymous thing with it? It's, it's, it's interesting to think about like, and this is a thing that happens in like league of legends where Aram becomes a game mode and enough people play Aram to where it requires its own balancing. So characters in Aram are doing different things and doing different amounts of damage than their like Summoner's Rift counterpart, which I mention because I see Sean playing League of Legends right now. Yeah. Oh, maybe without we could, inviting me. Maybe we'll go over there in a few minutes. But um, 
Uh, so it's wild, and it does. And and the other thing that I was gonna that actually I I should have mentioned this even more upfront was that alchemy has rebalances within that mode. So you can own a card like uh, like an example is like there's this there's this broken the the, the current uh, I should also say that like the current form of magic standard I'm not talking about historic which is like their wild um, or any of the other modes of magic play standard is um, essentially in like card games that's like. You know, there's like a base set of cards that people can use, and then like the last four sets or whatever will be in the current rotation of like, if a tournament is in standard, these are the legal cards you can use. You can't go back and play cards from like a set four years ago. That doesn't work like that. There's a current like group of cards. Um, and that is very difficult to do in a physical card game. And the reason why is that you can rebalance digital cards, but if you, whenever you print a magic, a physical magical card, uh, ma a, a physical magic card, you have to realize that that card exists in this format for like x years and you have to like that means that like certain cards by printing them you're like well we can never print another card that will do this because this will create an infinite combo and be broken and that like they do ban magic cards but that's generally kind of like slow to react and they can't rebalance magic cards so if you release a really good magic card then for pro play sometimes they have to say like oh yeah i know the you non-pros are playing with essica's chariot but but pros don't play with that anymore. We banned it. And the current state of Magic is dreadful. Is like, really? Alchemy is coming at a time that, like, I, it almost makes you wonder if they set it up like this because there's, like, two decks that work in Magic. It's horrible. There's a... There, if you look at like I, I start I, when I started getting into this, I was playing online. I was enjoying it. There's some slight variety of decks online, but for the most part, there's just kind of like aggro mono white deck that plays all these weenies that build themselves up whenever there's any heals. So they play cards. It's like whenever I have a heal, whenever you heal, uh, give my card this card plus one plus one, and then you have tons of cards. It's like whenever you put a new card into the battlefield, heal for one. So you have these cards that are like tiny no mana building themselves up but on pro play which is like something i was just watching tournaments of um there's basically there's like two kind of decks like there's mo there's this deck that's like a blue red deck that that takes like extra turns and it, like an epiphany deck and it is like so broken that like everyone plays some form of this and like the current state of magic is just in shambles and um, alchemy is kind of coming at a time where there's a few really just busted cards that like they're so good on their own that like you must play these colors or this format or play some sort of deck that revolves around these few cards um, that like it, the balance is just way out of whack and then alchemy comes and not only does it have these these you know kind of wilder digital cards but it rebalanced certain cards that like you still can play the standard with the, the the traditional like paper balancing but if you play an alchemy the card will just have like straight up different text just like you said kind of for like league proper yeah. summoner's rift versus aram and it has been so healthy. Like, Alchemy has been so healthy to the game. It has put in so much, like, life that I, I'm surprised. Like, the, the streamers are basically, like, mostly only playing Alchemy because not only are the Alchemy cards kind of fun, but the balances changes have kind of opened things up from, like, oh, in, in tournaments or on the ranked ladder, you just see these Is It Epiphany decks. And now in Alchemy, like, it's buck wild. No one knows what's good anymore. And then the crazier thing is that, and I kind of like this too, is that the the, the promise with Alchemy is that there will be monthly rebalances. Interesting. Like, they they want to keep the format moving. They're like, you can, they, they the, the, the kind of thought process was that 
Uh, and I think this is a fascinating topic, actually. Like, I've kind of mentioned this before, but, like, the way that... And it, it, it kind of also rolls into fighting games is, like, the w people, purists, old fighting game purists will always tell you, like, we didn't get to deal with patches. If a character was broken, you found a way around it. That was how you dealt with it. And, like, the current players are you know, whiny and entitled. And, you know, you see stuff where, you know, week one, people are like, RAM is broken, soul is broken, this game's not going to get better until those are nerfed. And I kind of, I understand where they're coming from is like, I had to figure out a way around it. And you also get worried about like, but what if those characters are strong initially and then they fall off and now you nerf them and you added insult to injury and the character is never playable again. But... There's a big difference between now the but, internet era. Uh, uh, the, also, there's a devil's advocate there of like, take a look at Marvel 2 and take a look about like that game had like 56 characters in it. And in competitive, I feel like 12 of them were viable. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so so you could talk about like the the idea of like, oh, well, just work around it. But I mean, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, the that game becomes it's weird because the game's become that game isn't that look at Melee. Right. Like that's a game that people take seriously competitively that does not use a lot of its cast. Yeah. People are typing furiously to me right now. Oh, don't even type. We don't even think it's a fighting game. If you want to talk about yeah. if you want to talk about that, <laughs> let's that then then get let's get to that one first. But I, I think it's fascinating. And I think some of it also kind of plays into a grander concept of like when you have a fighting game that's online and when you have forums and Reddit and all these things that talk about it and people share tech, people you didn't used to share tech. Like if you were going to a Street Fighter playing, if you want to play Street Fighter 2 and you want to learn combos, how did you do that? You put in a quarter and you fought like CPUs, but that's not teaching you combos. And then someone would have to like maybe teach you it or maybe they would just keep it to themselves and like they would keep that tournament tech or whatever. They would keep like some crazy option select to themselves. And that's the way it kind of always used to work. But now the internet is so open and like there's some element of the world is like you share things for clicks and views. And if you found, if James himself found um, like some wild ass Faust busted technology of like, you do this crazy shit, this setup. And if you throw it and you get a, um, uh, a, horn in this situation it causes an unblockable or hammer in this situation causes a true unblockable and like you found this kind of stuff you might want to like you know record it and share it and show people like look at this crazy faust deck like when he does this this works out so i think that we are like the the, the it is more rapid now like if in the old days of playing magic you would have to like play magic against your friends and then maybe you go to a tournament and you'd be like holy shit this card essica's chariot i thought that was kind of bad but someone's playing it and they're winning games are they good or does it beat my deck or is the card busted i don't know like it's some various thing in in, in there somewhere but now like if you're playing magic the arena you could just sit around for 24 7 and just play matches so we 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 more rapidly find like what is busted and what the answers to it and and alchemy is kind of like they're like you know we this is this is not working like like in the old days balance worked a little bit easier because you were just playing against your friends or you had to go to a tournament to find out that something was busted or it took years to find out like oh this card was always amazing or like this new set just opened this card up but now like it's happening at such a rapid pace like people are just playing things online they're playing 50 games of magic if you want to like in a row um so they're saying like you know this is the mode that we're just going to go wild like we want to change it every month and yeah. make major changes and but then there's this other huge problem that is that magic doesn't have dusting um the for like if you don't know what that means in in hearthstone you can break down a card uh to its like essence and then remake uh, use that dust to make another card and if blizzard nerfs your card 
then usually the compensation was that for a short amount of time, or Blizzard changes or nerfs it in any way, usually the compensation is like, for a short amount of time, you can dust it for the full cost of making a card. So like a, a legendary costs 1,600 dust. I remember that. And if you break down a, a legendary that they just nerfed, you get a full 1,600 dust. That's a full legendary that you of your choice, whatever you want. And um, there is no system for that in Magic. Um, and Magic is not a free-to-play game. Um, it's not nope. as it's not as free to play as Rune Terra. Certainly, like Rune Terra, I understand if they want to make some balance changes here and there because they they the the uh, bonuses they give you wild cards very quickly. You can find you can craft decks if you really want something. It doesn't take that long to for free earn the point the 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 components of it. And if you really want to play it uh play a certain deck like you can buy yeah you just buy straight up like wild cards but there's no there's not even deck op- pack opening like it's so it works so differently this game Which has i'm sure will upset some people right yeah like this well me like i i i, I have like that like gambling nature but um in in magic uh the arena it has you open these digital packs and there is no like there is a semi form of like as you're opening packs you get um kind of like a dust like you get uh you build up to wild cards like whenever you see a rare card or something i think it works like that where it's like if you see five rare cards or something it's not i'm not saying the right number but it's like you see eight rare cards in decks you get a rare wild card that you can spend to create any rare right but there's this huge there's this bottleneck that, that works weird in magic where there's commons rares or commons uncommons rares and mythics and you would think like mythics the legendaries are what's hard to make but usually decks don't require a lot of mythics but they do require a lot of rares so this bottleneck where if you really want to make some of these popular pro decks you actually have to buy a lot of magic decks to either find them to get to either get lucky and find them or to buy enough that you get the a ton of rare wild cards to be able to make this so like it's not free and there's currently no way of like dusting the cards and if wizards of the coast wants to change cards on a monthly scale then if i decide to make a deck because it's doing well right now in the format and alchemy and then next month they say like this card is too busted we're nerfing it there is no in-game method of like compensation and i'm not sure what they will do um to like like they like they want to move like fast and heavy and just be like you know this card's busted for the format's getting boring this card's making things dumb. We're we're nerfing it. We're buffing this. That's it. Um, and like, what what is the compensation for people that like can't keep up with that? If you every month like your deck is getting nerfed and you're not getting compensated back, and like their old answer to that kind of stuff has been like, I mean, the card still you could still have it. You still have it in other formats. You could still play it in historic. You could still play it in standard. But like, is that a good answer for alchemy? I don't know. So. That was magic, and then to quickly that was a lot of that was a half hour of magic. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I also played a lot of Rune Terra, um, which is phenomenal. Holy shit! Um, like both these are both great games that do two different things. And like I thought this podcast I was going to be talking about more of these, but there's also a fighting game. But um, uh, Rune Terra is fascinating, uh, especially from when I used to play it. Like there are a lot more cards. I don't think that they rotated anything out. I think no, they they've did only not. ever. This is a game that will get balanced and not. And rotated not uh, rotated, probably. Um, so, so we'll yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I, I think that's always... And so that's weird because that's always been, like, the thing that happens over a quarter... Uh, like, like you know, Hearthstone wanted to do that, right? Hearthstone was digital, so it was, like, you can balance things out. But then 
over time it was just like there's too many cards we have to take cards out and put new cards in that work slightly the same but in different ways to make this fun and new and i respect that i actually think that that is the way that you have to do things a lot of times but i was playing a lot of uh rune terra my the thing i was playing the most is this like unbelievably cool as cool as hell mode uh like the path of champions i believe um yeah it is this like roguelike mode that is just like so incredible. You you pick a champion to start out with and then you go down this like traditionally kind of like roguelike map of like you go from one fight to the next fight. Now the path forked. Do you want to get an item? Do you want to get a new follower card? Um, but you pick a champion and uh, you slowly build out a deck and you also get these like busted crazy interactions Um you can get these like bonuses to characters that just do wild things. Like uh, when you summon this champion, summon like an ephemeral duplicate of it that like, you know, leaves after this, uh, after the, the combat or something, or like uh, cast spells multiple times, or, you know, like I start powered up and all this kind of crazy shit. Like there's, there's awesome stuff you can do to change. And you can even like get these like, uh, you know, league items to buff your cards, like um, giant's belt giving plus two health to a minion so that whenever you draw this minion it has plus two health for the rest of this run and it's so cool it's like this awesome roguelike mode um and also the uh the, the aesthetics of it have like kicked it up a notch like i love the uh yeah. the maps are beautiful like you can you can buy these like uh maps that are different areas in league and in the uh, path of champions you see the different areas a lot of times so like you're just playing you know in a zon and piltover character and like a lot of the the maps you're playing are like it's it's you know the dirty yeah. zone or the yeah did you play any of the arcane themed stuff i don't think i'm not or sure did you did you miss that i know that that was like a limited time sort of thing possibly i'm not entirely sure maybe i did i'm not sure um, but i wouldn't have but i don't don't think don't know if i would know i think it was part of labs i think it was i saw a lot of different crazy ass maps um, um and did you start building like have you played any of the like versus players have you like the thing that i really liked about rune terror was also the way that you unlock things so you like choose like almost like a battle pass track you like choose a region that you want to focus on like you could choose like oh i really like uh sway i like i love swain yasuo, lot, so I'm gonna, I, I like swain so i'm gonna choose the uh noxus like track and then you just go down, you unlock like wild cards, you unlock Noxus cards and things like that. And it's cool how they kind of let you like, not only are you always earning stuff weekly and daily, but also it, there's like this incentive to just like keep playing, which I appreciate, especially coming from like Hearthstone where you get like a pittance of gold. Oh yeah. I mean, they have great th like weekly and daily things. They have like a vault of like, you have the daily modes and they're also like you're, you're progressing that track that you said, like the, the, the area track. So you can progress towards something you like. Um, and then you have that weekly vault where like they start out as all these shitty bronze chests that don't have anything interesting in it. But the more you play, you buff the first chest into being a silver and then it's three bronze and you buff the second chest into being a silver. You buff the whole four chests into being silver. Now you're making the next chest, the first chest gold and then three silvers. And you keep like buffing these chests. So at the end of the week, the more you play, like the huger the reward. Um, and it's just like it, the, the rewards come fast in that game in path of champions, actually, which like, I think is again, like a dope mode. If you don't know anything about card games or you don't even have games, like, don't worry because you could just, they just give you this stuff for free. Um, and whenever you complete a path of champions with like, there's like a string of champions that you're supposed to do it. So like the first one I think is like jinx or something. And if you beat, um, path of champions one time with jinx, then you get, you unlock, 
Caitlyn, and if you beat it one time with Caitlyn, you unlock Jace or something like that. And so it'll, it'll unlock these cards for you. And you're earning like tons of points for your account. You're, you're, you know, you're, you, all the quests are completable. So you're buffing up your chests and your weekly yeah. reward and your, your reward of the, the different city tracks. So like, there's so much, this game is like buck wild with, um, progression systems. Like it is such a, um, Pavlovian dog, like a jingly with Skinner box. It is such a Skinner box of like, try not to play that game for like five minutes and not have like the screen flash gold and say like, you got another champion rare. Like you can make any champion you want. It's insane. Are you going to stop playing now? No. Right. Yeah. And and you, so the itemization, the, what do you call it? The, um, the monetization is interesting because it is so easy to craft cards. One of the things that they do is they have skins for cards so yes. instead of having like a regular Lux, you could have Battle Academia Lux, or you could have like Arcane Jinx or Arcane. There's, there's also Jace like prismatic cards that are like the foils. Yeah, foils. Yeah. So they're still making their money, but they're doing it in a way that feels uh, more honest for the health of the game. Yeah, you can also it, buy um, the maps that like you can set your map to like Ionia or something and have these Sakura blossom trees and your opponent has theirs like it like the battlefield is cut in half. So you bring whatever map you have set in there. Maybe you have like an Ionia map characters and you or maybe you have a different map for different decks. right? Yeah. Um, and there's also little helper friends like it starts out as a Poro. But you can buy little like um uh, Isn't that interesting that in this game, a different deck could have a different board, but in Valorant, my sage can't have a winter gun. I didn't even know that it worked like that necessarily, but yes, it is interesting. Um, yeah, so for each deck that you create, you, you can choose the card back. You can choose uh, the guardian, which is the little buddy, um, like emote sets, like everything. Map. Yeah. Depending on which deck you have, like you get all of these like aesthetic options. Which is great. Like, that's a really good way to incentivize you to spend money. In a non-creepy way, yeah. In a non-like, not creepy, but I mean, like, I guess the big difference is, like... predatory way. Hearthstone, perhaps. Hearthstone did this. They did the, um, the uh, you know, character skins and, like, that are just PNGs. It's just a, a $10 PNG. And I, remember, I think that was around when you and I were just, like, starting to get more fed up with it. And I remember it being like a huge, you know, hill to die on at the time of just like, wow, this is getting mad weird that like you want people to pay $10 for to change the PNG. Like it already is a very pay for game. Like, why is that not something that we can just like, it, it took you 20 seconds to put a PNG and move it onto here and then maybe ha add like six voice lines. Why can't you just give that out as like a free reward yeah, for doing and, something and good? In, and you already have to buy the the characters like they do new vo they do new like spell effects yeah depending on like the rarity they do different things so like the champions have a um when you level up a champion um which is something that is only in, in uh rune terra um like the champions all have their own little caveat of like whenever i see you stun five people i power up into better yasuo um and they have like a little animation that plays um, whenever that happens, it like buffs the card up and shows a little thing of the character. And um, the skins, depending on the rarity, uh, will sometimes change that to be like a completely different thing. There's like a Santa Brahm that makes it so that there's a little Poro opening presence. So so they put in a little bit more and a lot more work. And it makes more sense, I think, tied to like to have these cosmetics when you don't have true pack opening on the side. You don't have a true thing of like the set came out. So if you want to play 
different decks, you got to pay a couple of hundred dollars. Um, cause in this game you could just build up, you know, like, like even if they release new cards, you could just have champion, car- champion wilds built up to just get them on day one. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting playing both of them. I, I feel like I jump back and forth. Like the, uh, rune Terra is gorgeous. The animations are amazing and it runs incredibly well. I, I remember it r- being a little hitchy and, um, the, animations in the beginning of runeterra kind of not looking uh great or sometimes slowing the frame rate down and i also remember um that like before some of these all these like wild cosmetic changes and just how good the maps look and how how many just great spell effects and stuff there are in the game um i remember it just being a little bit clunkier overall and that initial board is just kind of boring it's like a summoner's rift it's just green grass it's nothing um to write home about so it didn't have like a lot of flavor and i think i've always thought this way like Magic cards look a lot more interesting to me. Um, the the Runeterra uh, cards, like, I, I just felt weird starting out playing Runeterra, and it's like, you play, you know, you drop down your, like, Frightened Baker. And it's like, I play League of Legends. Like, I'm, I don't, who the fuck is Frightened Baker? Like, where does this character come in the lore? And they, you, they can't, I mean, a one-mana card can't be cool. I, the one-mana, a one-mana card can't be cool, but it was just, it's just weird how often you're like. Unless it's Kennen. Kennen's a one-mana card. Teemo is a one-mana Um Yeah. So so yeah, there's there's these things that I that I think about with that card that game where it's like I still think that the cards the art is like it, the art in a lot of ways, especially of the characters that aren't heroes, reminds me champions reminds me of like off-brand Disney. Like the characters are just, like a lot of the times are just these like wide-eyed city folk bakers, and it's like I don't understand why half my cards are peasants. Like I don't I don't I don't like this style as much of most of the cards as I do in Magic, where like maybe it's just grim darkier more, where it's just like there's these there's these like un- otherworldly bizarre ass beasts in Magic and all these different crazy art styles. Yeah, I like, don't know. I I dig some of them. Like one of one thing one that I thought is like really cool is there's one of them that's like it's a one mana two one called draven's biggest fan and it's like a little kid that dresses up like draven and is spinning a little axe like yeah he's got like a little thing and like if you summon him like uh it puts draven near the top of your deck there's some there's some cool stuff they're not all great that also but... kind of leads into my other big complaint with rune terror which like i i could be wrong i've been playing rune terror for uh a little over like like the like two weeks ish I think that Runeterra has a huge... Th- this is, like, a fascinating difference. Is like, Runeterra has almost no card text. Most ca- most cards in Runeterra are a sentence or two. Most of them do something like, you know, in most cases, it's, like, either there's a keyword on it, of like, this character, quick attacks, it just attacks before the enemy, or it says something like, when you play this card, I buff a... All the, the language is, like, very cute. It's, like, when you play me, I buff a card in your hand for one plus one plus one. Um... And that makes it very legible um, because magic cards can sometimes be a novel. And like, that's insane sometimes for new players to like look at these cards that are like, sometimes it just makes your head spin of like, I forgot the first part of the text. Like I'm literally reading a novel for some of these cards. They do so many things. Um, Even like kind of more simple magic cards sometimes have like two paragraphs of text and like that. So there's a good, there's a good and a bad to it. The bad of it is like, I, I kind of feel like there's not that many choices. The cards in Runeterra kind of force your, you into creating a deck in a certain way. Um, like a good example of it is exactly the Draven's best, uh, biggest fan thing. Or like Teemo is like a horrible example of this. Like a lot of cards in that game, like if you're playing a champ, you're, you're, the, the deck so is... So the champions are the centerpiece, right? Yeah. Like that's the thing. The, the decks are always based around the champions. And in a sense, like there is a package 
that comes with champions, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like if you're 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 playing a Yasuo deck, and Yasuo's thing is that he has to see um, five enemy champions recalled or stunned or something. I think that's his thing um, to get him to power up. So you're playing Yasuo in the deck. You have X number of cards in your deck. Why would you include a card that like makes the enemy draw? You know, like you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. You would. You were gonna play. You're gonna look through cards that just say stuns the enemy um recalls the enemy so you basically like get to look at the cards that work for you and it's a very small like it's a champion package in a lot of cases it's like a smaller group of like yep this is if you're gonna play yasuo why the hell would you not play the one mana card that recalls cards like that's your one mana play like you, why would the hell would you not be playing these cards yeah. anything I, else I and ultimately, I, I don't have a problem with that because I do feel like every game inherently has that. This just makes it more obvious. Like, there are cards where, like, you just don't have to hunt it down, but there are definitely times where it's like, absolutely, you would always include that card with this card if it's your objective, right? I, I, I To, to a, a degree that is less prominent, I think. Like, my my example of this is, like, I... I was starting to, like, as I was playing Magic, um, I was only playing, like, the free-to-play decks that they give you. They they always give you, in every set, they give you, like, a legal monocolor and a legal dual color of every of every deck. And um, I was just playing that before I wanted to, like, go ham and use my very, uh, you know, minimal uh, cards that I could to make a new deck. And I finally, I was looking at, like, cheaper starter decks, and I finally found one that I kind of like, which is, like, this zombie blue-black deck that sacrifices its minions and um one of the core cards of it is this newer card they printed where it's a one one zombie for one black that whenever a zombie enters the field i get plus one like obviously a fantastic card if you're playing zombies you're gonna be playing that card there's no reason not to it's insane um but outside of that like the the, the things that would work in the deck i think are more fascinating because magic cards all have like multiple types so it'll be like zombie warlock or zombie where zombie dragon so so alone without reading the rest of that text maybe you wanted to make a dragon deck and you include a zombie dragon in it or maybe you want to make a zombie deck and you include it as a zombie dragon in it and then there's usually tons of text it's like you know sacrifice a creature so maybe in a sacrificial deck or something you would have that card in it and maybe you're not even playing zombies or dragons like when I started trying to make decks, especially with what I had, I had so many options. And there were so many cards that kind of fit in that purview of, like, a black-blue zombie where I'm sacrificing um, that, like, you could just really go kind of crazy or push the deck into mid-range, push the deck into late game, push the deck into a quicker aggro. And there was just so many choices. And, yeah, like, and, and Magic's been around, like... Magic has been around for a while, right? and I yeah. know that they rotate cards in and out, but they do have the they benefit have a they do have of a having set. an extreme library of cards that maybe Runeterra isn't there yet, but I think it's getting there. And But definitely like the way the decks are built is different because they are definitely built around champions. Like The champions are the win conditions in the decks. Yeah. So it is a different style in that way. Yeah, I mean, you do have, like, win conditions and magic that are sometimes built around one or two cards, but you usually have, like, other core concepts of, like, oh, it's a racial deck, like, it, it it's the entire deck uses humans, and the humans bounce off each other, but then at the end of the game, if, if you've let me get this far, I have this crazier human that, like, if it gets on the board and stays on the board, I win. Um, there's different things, like, I just feel like... The current and and maybe I'm just I'm I'm wrong because I'm saying it in a in standard the balance is horrible but in alchemy the the the, ban, the balance seems kind of healthy at least for the time being but like when alchemy started 
like no one had any great concepts of that what was going on and so what was happening was that people were just playing the good decks in standard like i just saw people playing mono white aggro and not playing any new cards at all just like i'm gonna take this into this mode and, and like to hell with you i'm just gonna play this deck it works already in the old modes and like I wanted to do something that was more alchemy based and like I had to really look through tons of cards to like make up a deck and I loved it and I would not I just kept winning and it was like this insane deck that like it's more of like it's I guess it's like like alchemy I mean uh like magic in general is like Dota versus um uh Rune Terror is like League where where like both of them are absolutely acceptable to like and enjoy, but the but like magic has like the limits off. Where like Rune Terror has a limit to even how many creatures you can put down. Magic is just like your dream scenario, and magic is like busted usually. It's just like I I was playing this card uh, that like creates a zero one that whenever it watches any card die or uh or any card at all die, I guess. It, it uh, gives the it takes one health away from the enemy and gives one health to you. And, like, the idea would be to just, like, slowly build up a board. Even I build up a board of, like, small things. And then by the end of the game, you play this game, this one card that's kind of busted and it probably needs to be fixed anyway, called Meat Hook Massacre, where it's, like, it kills almost every card on the field. So, like, I would be playing these longer games, like, the, the the whole board is built up, the enemy is going for their next turn to swing, and I'm holding this card that, like, I can wipe the board at any time, but when am I going to do it? And then you do it, you play it down, you just kill, like, 30 minion, 30, like, enemy creatures all at once, like, deal, deal like, 30 damage to the opponent, heal yourself to 60 health, and the game ends, and it's, like, this crazy dream. And, like, Rune Terror just does not have dreams. Like the the champion, like I, you I could, disagree with that. You could say so, that it's like so hard. You could say that it's like you know getting the champion That's to like insane. get to its to its bonus, but I don't feel like the dreams are quite as busted. I think it, it's more. It's it, like I said, it's more a little bit more similar to like you do need to play more. It's a little bit. I think it's a little bit more similar to the league and Dota thing of like there's so much you can get like you you can get like a dream scenario in league and get pretty out of control and have fun and if, but if the game keeps going late like there, there starts to be like there's an answer to all but like with dota sometimes you can just get these like busted things that are like you're just warping across the map you have way too much yeah, money you're before. you're you're wrong if you think that rune terror doesn't have dream scenarios like what, what is if, a dream scenario other than like so the characters? here's an example do you know anything about like the nautilus maokai deck um no i know the nautilus works like he gets a uh, buff when you get into deep when you get into the last 15 cards yeah so nautilus because is a card that is a 0 12 that becomes a 13 13 uh with tough on him and the whole idea is like he is a super late game card uh that very like it's it's rare to get him to that point because fast x will whittle you down a lot of the nautilus package is slow it requires you to get to deep uh, but one of the synergies is Maokai. So Maokai is a card that is about tossing. Um, let me actually look up Maokai. I'm sure of what I'm saying. So Maokai's whole thing is that um, uh, he will level up when you uh, toss things, which is essentially like a way of throwing things away. Uh, he, th he essentially deletes cards out of the bottom of your deck. So if you're running these two things together, it means that you could actually speed to deep by like turn five or six and drop a 13-13 on the field, which is like, that is that is a dream scenario. But it's coupled with the fact that a lot of the cards, once they're deep, can just like obliterate and become like the bodies become so big that the opponent can't possibly uh, pack enough removal onto the field to make them. 
Also, everything Heimerdinger does, like a Heimerdinger deck is just based around the dream scenario. A Heimerdinger deck is actually kind of similar to the way that Miracle Rogue worked, where uh, the way that Heimerdinger works is he's a super weak card, but when Heimerdinger is on the field, whenever you cast a spell, Heimerdinger summons a turret. And once you have uh, summoned 12 power worth of turrets, Heimerdinger powers up and then all of the turrets uh, get 1-1. One, one. So the thing that makes Heimerdinger like super fucking powerful is that there are uh, synergistic uh, Piltover cards that will do things like, I am a four mana magic card that will give you a uh, a spell in your hand that's worth three left and I'll less and I'll fill up your your arcane power. So you get to do things like I throw down Heimerdinger, then I throw down the four mana card that's going to regenerate my magic mana. So I'm getting a four power turret and then I'm immediately getting to summon the three power turret. And there there are things like that and, and also the idea of uh celestial cards and like uh, like uh what is it? Um uh, the, the, the ascended ones. Yeah. Oh, I know the celestial ones are like the cosmic ones or whatever. It's like you get they're like ten mana cards. I know that the the Shiruma ones have a second evolution when they're ascended. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that Azir gives you a new deck once you once you summon him. Um, or I think he does, does, and he just makes champions. yeah the champions. emperor the emperor's deck. So you get like an entirely new deck of like super powerful cards. The dreams definitely do happen in this game, and I feel like. If you're like hanging out and playing like spiders and uh, Jinx and Darius, it could seem like the game is pretty simple, but there are some really complicated and interesting decks in the game. Also, in terms of like packages, I don't think that there's always like a, when you play this, you must play this. And I think one example of this is there's a triangle of like Vladimir, Braum and Soraka where because of their um, regions, you can only ever have two, but there's a reason why you would have Soraka and Brahm or Brahm and Vladimir or Vladimir and Soraka. Um, and those three decks are all going to play very differently from each other, despite having like a core tenet shared between them. Yeah, I guess I would answer all those things by saying, like, imagine a deck where it was Heimerdinger, but there was no limit on... The amount of minions you could spawn so like you it was just you were going off and you had like 40 minions on the board or like the literally like the 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 arena the game like, should be just the, be over then the game couldn't like i mean there's certain ways that it gets that like people can get around it or something like i i i don't i i like i don't fully disagree obviously like i and i'm and i'm not like hating on rune terra remotely i just think that in more cases a lot of the dreams are like things that the developers are telling you like this is the dream is like this is this character this champion like you look at the champion you're like wouldn't it be cool if i could get this champion to pop off early and the opponent couldn't remove it and then i go insane like that is more a little bit more of like a developer like like that's you know the other cards in the deck aren't that crazy or whatever and you just get to this like you know one dream card and there's also like a limit to like how sometimes like how crazy or wild everything can get and then to hear like you know like the nautilus maokai thing is like again plays into that um like well if nautilus needs to go deep then like why would he play with another champion that doesn't help him thin the deck um and then I, I wish that there were more things like 
what you said with the Soraka. Like, if if there were more text on cards, like this is this is a this is like a weird binary thing that like sounds insane. But like, if there were more text on cards, if cards were doing more things, or maybe Felios is in the game, or maybe in the future when there is a shit ton of cards and and like you're looking at a making a recall deck for yasuo and then there's recall champions that like you have you have like 40 to pick from so you're like you're like i can't even fit all these in the deck i have to make choices and make cuts and you start to see cards that overlap a little bit more that are like this champion this card not only recalls but but hurts itself when it does it and like another champion likes that but then also it's a mech so it uh heimerdinger buffs him or something like if there were more cards that like that that played into that like if if you're gonna just like i would i think that if that if it's like to say that it's healthier that like oh there's these three champions that work great but they can never be together because you can only have the two or whatever um and that there's like kind of like a balance between like oh you can make a deck with the with and with these three in any combination that like i wish it were a little bit more that way across the board like i wish that, that a lot of the champions and most of the game just feels very one note. It's like they're doing that thing yeah, that they I, do. I don't know enough to say that it's not like that. I, I don't think that I've, I don't know a lot about the competitive scene or what like real deck building looks like, or even what the meta looks like in the game right now. I was watching some uh, pro play actually. Um, and, and, and pro play has bands. Um, really? Y- yeah. Oh, you, that's so you, interesting. You bring, actually. you bring three, that makes three champions into a deck. Um, you bring three champions into a deck and the person can ban one champion. That's interesting. Um, yeah, maybe that's the kind of thing actually that like in, it's interesting in, in non-pro it play. Is like, it is trying to be something else, right? Like the way that the decks are constructed and like the emphasis on champions, it does lead to it being like a little bit um, hamstrung in building, but it also does make the game like this is the cornerstone. This is like what makes it unique. Is, yeah, I, 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 I think that like, the core concept was the champions and everything is in in complete respect of the champions everything is in lieu of like is like for the champions so the cards every card in the game you can look at the card and pretty much just say like oh it's a um it bounces a card back to your hand okay that's a yasuo card like they want that like uh every uh, cards that like damage i forget like like gangplank is like damage x amount of damage to the nexus if a card says they you know, attack, damage the Nexus. If it's a spell that only lets you damage the Nexus, like, why would you play, like, another deck that just did use that card? Like, that's empty space versus, like, Gangplank that synergizes with what he's trying to do. So, so like, the champions are cool. They're awesome. They're only digital. And um, they are, like, they tell people what dreams to have. So I think that even if you're a new player and you don't understand, like, if you're a new player playing Magic, like, you would have you could not look at the current set and without help be told like this card is busted yeah. you play you you're supposed to play things yeah. around this like also i want to give you like another devil's advocate of what you said about like devil's and maokai and and how they work together so here's another region uh so scion has an ability and scion's level up ability is you've discarded or summoned 35 plus power and that's interesting because it works on either a fat deck where it's like, I'm just going to summon a lot of big minions, but it also works with Maokai and his toss ability, right? Yeah. So you could just be tossing stuff and then just drop a fat Scion. So I do think that there are combinations of putting these together that are not always like this. This champion is always with this champ. And I think that as they release more champions, and it's also interesting because if we think about like 
our thing is going to get cycled or maybe things don't get cycled, but people's abilities change, right? Yeah, and like maybe now one season is, Jinx is like, does something he, else. Yeah, he has to um, So it is interesting to think of like our character, are these characters built in this way because they're not planning to cycle them out? Yeah, uh, like is it is it the reverse of what I've said with magic where they are planning to have can a, be busted a, because it can a, only be busted for a little while a double style of like of like oh we're gonna be this is gonna be quadruple the amount of cards in rotation so we have to make cards simple because we're gonna print more and more cards yeah. that recall and eventually we'll get to that critical mass where you have choices but right yeah. now if we make the cards too insane um then like we won't be able to print cards in the future that do anything wild or whatever if we if they gave you a package of like 80 recall minions that you would get to the point where it's just like well we figured out 20 of these are usable and now we can't make recall minions again or whatever like now yasuo already has enough right like will it hit critical mass or something i just wish yeah, we'll like i said like like i said i don't know if they want to do this more in the future there i think that there should be um like like honing in and maybe adding tribal to more cards is fascinating because then it makes yeah. it so that do you want the card for the text for the type of thing it is and um just adding a little bit more card text so that maybe cards like function in two different ways like i just really like that most a lot of the magic cards like you read multiple things on it and you're like i could use this for this deck i could use this for this deck the, there's a in the current set there's a zombie scorpion that uh, uh a black zombie scorpion that that uh, sacrifices a minion to ha hurt you or hurt a player that you choose and have them draw cards so you can hurt the enemy to like either kill them or like mill them or you can hurt yourself to draw for whatever your win conditions are and it's a zombie and it's a scorpion and like it sacrifices so certain cards are like when you sacrifice x happens make a copy and make a token of it so there's all these different things where like that one card and it's text like it's in zombie i've seen it in zombie decks i've seen it in non-zombie decks for the draw i've seen it in other decks for the discard um i've seen it in decks to hurt an opponent like it does so many things and like you could read its text in different ways or like utilize it in different ways and like the less text you have the more that like the card just becomes like oh you put you play this in the yasuo um but but yeah i i could see that as time goes on like if they release more just with the releasing of more champions if they do more if they balance that on razor's edge like may uh they can make more champions that maybe like whenever they can have a champion that's like whenever you do any sort of status effect 20 times something high um because it's any status effect that uh you know i buff up and then maybe you play that in a yasuo deck because he's stunning minions maybe you play that in like a different deck like a poppy deck or whatever they're turning minions into squirrels i don't know like like there's there's ways like i maybe in the future maybe that is like more of a fault of it currently than it is a fault of the like maybe that's not a thing that's not maybe it's healthy for the future maybe it's not something that will actually hamstring it the way that like i could possibly think of like it being like the low amount of card text and everything being um something that's going to be detrimental to it in the future maybe it'll just be good maybe that way they'll have more game space this is a lot of games that's a lot of games and i think creates some really cool topics actually i find these wow. kind of things fascinating i find Next like podcast is probably uh all the games of the year yeah so thanks uh this is uh we're gonna go play valorant uh wtgpodcast.com that's where the website is dot maybe com. you've seen it maybe you haven't we're in the dot com bubble baby uh you're on we're on the twitter we're at wtdg podcast uh if you follow us on twitter 
instant updates about when the shows go live. But you could also follow the show on Spotify or on your favorite podcatcher. Podcatcher. You could on your favorite podcatcher on your RSS say. feed, and then you just get those get that right away. Thank you, Ryan Galloway. As soon as I get around to putting it up. Thank you, Ryan Galloway and Bumper for the use of music. We use the intro and outro. Oh shit! You can get it off the new album, Pop Songs Twenty Twenty One. Am I right? Did I forget it? Twenty Twenty One. Pop Songs Twenty. Pop Songs Twenty Twenty One. You can get it. Um, I can get it sometimes. Um, you can find them at. This is my part of the deal. This is my part of the bargain, and I screwed it up. You can find them at the YouTube's where you can get uh, links to all their merch. I have their shirt. I have their um, record album. Thanks. Thank you, James. Um, happy we, holidays. Happy holidays. We don't have it yet. Happy holidays.